Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Certainly do. Get involved in the conversation. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. And a story that was breaking overnight, which breaks uh, overnight on the Examiner online, has to do with fireworks allegedly aimed at Gardaí-like missiles. There was a rampage on the north side of the city last night. Youths reportedly gathering for an anniversary commemoration for a young male who died tragically then mayhem erupted in Knocknaheeny. Were you there? Did you witness it? Were you indoors looking out at it? Text 0868 Apparently a car crashed and went on fire and then fireworks were set off and they were aimed like missiles at the first responders. So when the guard of patrol cars arrived, they were then targeted uh, by fireworks. So the gangs of youths, the gang of youths uh, had their faces covered and went on a rampage, apparently. Two of them ended up uh, being taken to the CUH for treatment for injuries. Uh, non-life-threatening um, and uh, things have calmed down since but that was last night in the Nahini area. Um, if you were there or witnessed it and you'd like to share, please do so. Text 0868104106. But in the papers that actually got printed with the news, the Echo this morning uh, leads with the event centre. Which one is that? Uh, well, the one that was supposed to be built all those years ago. So the idea yesterday, and we spoke about it on the air just before we finished with the councillor Lorna Bogue, was that herself and Ted Tynan, two Cork City councillors, uh, wanted, um, I suppose what they really wanted was all bets to be cancelled. Um, just pack up our tent, uh, don't give any money to BAM and Live Nation, take it all back and build it ourselves. Well, that got defeated uh, yesterday um, at a council vote. Of course it would be because Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil would have none of that. Uh, I will come back to this uh, a little later on this morning with uh, Owen English, who's been following the story from the off. It will be it will be his journalistic legacy at this stage, I would think. And he has it on the inside pages of the Examiner. Councillors vote in favour uh, of persevering with the event centre. We'll persevere, lads. Back to the... We'll put our, our shoulders to the wheel and we'll persevere with it. We'll give them a hundred million and that might just do it. Meanwhile, of course, uh, another thing we dealt with on this uh, here radio programme yesterday were the residents who travelled to the Dolaren yesterday with 15,000 signatures which they delivered and uh, Dol deputies did come out to meet them yesterday. Five months ago, of course, the businesses and homes in Middleton were damaged following the severe flooding due to Storm Babette last October. Reading from the examiner this morning, and we're reminded with colour photographs in the examiner today of just how bad that flooding was. Homes were destroyed, businesses on the main street destroyed and closed, uh, and everybody had to work hard to get their businesses open, and people are still working hard with regards to trying to save their homes with very, very little help uh, from the public coffers. But hold on, we do spend money in Ireland, and we don't always spend it just south of the border. 800 million euros been giving given now by the Irish state for funding in the north. It's a bizarre story in many different ways. Um, I imagine we're just getting the north of Ireland tidied up for when we get it back. And when we get it back, we want the road networks to be nice. So therefore, we're going to plough a lot of money into the road between Derry and County Tyrone. Um, I know you would think this is the first day of April, but it's not. And on top of all of that, included in the 800 million for Northern Ireland road upgrades, 600 million which will be spent on the Northern Ireland A5. (laughs) Have we not got issues down in the Republic that need doing? There's also going to be 50 million euro given to Caseman Park. 
the GAA Stadium in West Belfast. We are just so generous as a nation, aren't we? We're so generous. Meanwhile, of course, uh, thank you so much, uh, Stephen Donnelly, for reminding us that we failed so many of our kids. Well, I haven't failed them. People listening to me haven't failed them. But those with their hands on the tiller and their head and their and their hands and their fingers and the coffers, they're the ones that have failed year in year out. But it's the front page making the sun. But at the same time, eight hundred million uh, for this and another um, eight hundred and eight thousand for dogs coming over from Ukraine. Whatever you're having yourself. Um, and then, of course, as we try and fight the scourge of various addictions in this country, um, you know, we have issues with regards to uh, um, drug dealers. We have issues with regards to drug smuggling. We might even have issues in this country with regards to drug production. But the country's local Garda drugs unit have on average now 14% less staff than they had had in 2010. There's been a 37% fall in the Cork Drug Squad Garda. So before you go off blaming the guards for not being around, think about the numbers. There's 37% less of them than there was in 2010. Um, And then, apparently, just talking about drugs, the leader of AIN2... Uh, Pat Tobin stood up in the doll yesterday. Have I got have I got some audio for this? Actually, I think I do somewhere. I might play it later on. Uh, he stood up in the doll. He was talking about talking about the the scourge of drugs and the scourge of cocaine. He said he had no doubt that drugs had been used within the houses of the Oroctus. Um He's talking about the state's efforts to crack down on illegal, the illegal drug trade, which will never incidentally be won. It, it just won't. But he says I have no doubt that there's drugs being used in the houses of the Oroctus. Now the Count Corla responded to him by saying Deputy, if you have any evidence of narcotics being used on these premises I'd be very glad if you'd bring it to my attention. Uh, I don't know whether they go in with the old blue lights into the public loos or offices around Dáil Éireann, Leinster House or indeed uh, the Shannon. But meanwhile of course as, uh, as we spend money on all sorts of stuff sometimes questionably um, families are taxed to the hilt and uh, they work it out in the mail this morning that the average family is paying 150 euro per week in indirect levies not just VAT now but all sorts of other extra levies go and look at your utility bills sometime maybe you've done it already see all those little sneaky charges all those kind of things and then uh, consumers are going to be hit by new a new wave of broadband hikes not just broadband hikes incidentally uh, the three major providers are hiking up television broadband and mobile prices uh, could cost you at least 100 a year perhaps even more all of those small increases of course they all add up to a big hill of beans at the end and then, of course, they find other ways uh, to tighten the purse strings in all the wrong areas. Uh, the papers this morning uh, talk of the government being slammed, and rightly so, because there is, um, there is an allowance given to women with breast cancer. They just went and halved that allowance. Why would you do that? Something so mean-spirited, so greedy, so small-minded. So women, apparently, who underwent mastectomies are entitled to two bras and one swimming prosthesis per year under their medical card entitlements. Someone somewhere has decided uh, to take a closer look at that and say, well, I can save some money there. Cut it back to one bra per year and put a value of €60 on it. These are for women who've gone through a mastectomy, sometimes a double mastectomy, and it was there. It was pretty mean anyway, uh, the amount of money and allowance that was given, and now they just went and halved it. So it's, uh, it really is sometimes... I don't know, man. I just don't know. I'm going to overly depress you on the start of a Wednesday morning. Papers also have a lot of different court reports. There's the front of the mail this morning saying, an All-Ireland winning GAA star 
has been arrested over allegedly carrying out a savage beating on a 12-year-old boy, according to the Irish Daily Mail. And they talk about it in the west of the country. So everybody's working out now what county is it? What team is it? What All-Ireland winning star could it have been? And then here on Side, there's an ongoing case in the court courts. And these are allegations against a neighbour. And the echo in the examiner this morning carried the court reports of a retired solicitor who has told a judge and jury that a neighbour arrived at her home on an afternoon in December while she was mixing Christmas puddings to accuse her of stealing his mother's post, then punching her in the face and kicking her while she was on the ground. These are allegations, as I say, and the trial continues today. And then, if you ever need to have an idea as to what the Gardaí have to put up with, um, look no further than the story of a guard who observed a blue Opel Corsa driving dangerously, cutting corners and veering across the central white line. So when the guard stopped uh, James Heady from Ring... um, and he pulled in, apparently. Uh, he ultimately was tested for levels of alcohol. And the judge, James McNulty, said that his level of alcohol in his system was practically toxic. Practically toxic. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a lengthy story that involves um, um, defecating and then trying to smear the Garda with the uh, feces. Uh, this is what Garda have to put up with these days. I mean, it was taken very seriously by the court, actually, because the judge gave him four months for obstructing the taking of a breath sample. Uh, he gave him another four months for uh, dangerous driving and another four months for drink driving and disqualified him for four years. Now, uh, Mr. Healy can appeal. It was a lo- uh, An appeal was lodged on his own behalf, but I think the, all those sentences run together as opposed to consecutively. But that's... I'm not going to say it's the typical day of a, of a, of a working Irish Garda, but I suppose there are many of those types of stories as they go about their business. And in other news, as we live in a tech world and, you know, uh, all sorts of different ways that your time is being wasted, they call it techno-stress, apparently. It's called techno-stress, being overwhelmed by technology and your phone. The Independent this morning uh, quotes um, a Dutch psychologist and the author of a book called crazy, busy, keeping sane in an insane world. So he says the few seconds that we have away uh, from, say, for instance, our phone or our laptop work-wise, what do we do? We just spend the, the, the spare time scrolling through X, scrolling through Instagram, and while it may juice up your happy hormones, it's actually adding to your stress levels and they call it techno-stress. All the notifications from our emails, all of the social media alerts add to the total amount of stress that we encounter, and they all add to the noise between our ears. Now, you know, you know we have a, a younger generation now. There would be Generation Z or Generation Z, call them what you want. They like to be called the Zoomers. They don't like to answer phone calls now. They much prefer texts. Or Do they even like voicemail? I'm not quite sure whether they get stressed out or anxious. You know, voice notes that people leave on on your phones. But anyway, apparently, one thing that they do love, and the different generations love different types of television. So, so, Generation Z uh, love horror shows and, you know, zombie movies, stuff like that. Things that frighten the life out of them. Millennials, who would be 1981 to 1996, so both my kids would be in there, they prefer comedy. And um, boomers... That'd be me. I'm a boomer. Uh, we love drama, right? And um, I suppose criminal drama even better, uh, certainly in our house. Anything to do with crime or p- 
police or detectives or stuff like that. Um, but then they went and got it all wrong in the papers this morning. Uh, and I have to correct them. I have great time for Larissa Nolan. She's a fantastic uh, journalist. But can I just give the exact breakdown? The Silent Generation, 1928 to 1945. Misfortunes went through all sorts of war and all sorts of uh, depression. Um, then the baby boomers came along. Uh, I just about squeeze into that, 1946 to 1964. Um, uh, the Generation X. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kev, 1965 to 1980. What? No. <laughs> oh, my God, you're way out. The Millennial. Oh, my God. Kevin the Millennial, 81 to 96. That's me. I only uh, just about squeak into the Millennials as it, is, as it happens. Generation Z. Is it Z or Z? Z. <laughs> Whatever you like. Whatever please you're say, having yourself. Please say Z, Santa Claus. Yeah, go on. Uh, they're Here's the Z. Zoomers, um, 1997 to around about 2012. And now we have a new category. The Generation Alpha. Generation Alpha, yeah. Them that were born after 2013. Dems that only knows fibre optic broadband. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, right. that's because right. like we're kind of the first, the millennials, right. the millennials are the first generation that, like, or sorry, should I say, we're the last generation that weren't we we played games without mobile. Like mobile phones were kind of something that you kind of got when you were older, even I know though they it. were there. But I like we were the first generation to kind of really get into. And I'm games the generation consoles. that celebrated black and white television. Yeah, and a fridge. And the yeah, the, when the fridge arrived, a match of the day on a on a Sunday match evening. Of the yeah, day, yeah, where the where the telly <laughs> had to warm up because the valves were cold. Yeah, I remember we used to have one of those. Um, do you know those old TVs? Because my granddad, my granddad, God rest his soul, he was lieutenant colonel in the army, and and he was actually. Um, in the UN and an amazing man for getting jobs done even though he probably shouldn't have gotten a lot done he was one of these guys that was always able to kind of twist somebody's arm but we had one of these old TVs that they bought in Israel I think it was Israel or Damascus or one of these places and it had you know you flipped out the panel on the side and you had to turn the dials to tune the TV in Yeah, Yeah. see like I remember that so I I have a great appreciation for your generation more so than I think that a lot of other people do but you imagine like the troubles of trying to tune in a match absolutely 100% because imagine now being say for instance uh, a Generation Z 97 to 2012 or indeed your own generation to a slightly lesser extent where everything is immediate it's at your fingertips it's controlled by screens it's technology it's Mm. fast it's available you know even, even things like Deliveroo like, yeah, and, and I mean, like, it'd long be, are the days. You get a bag of chips once or twice a month. Like, do you remember? I, I, do, do you remember the days when? But one one of the things, one yeah, of the yeah. things we kind of, um, I, I, I think we miss a little bit with this, uh, this kind of information at our fingertips is, you know, when somebody would ask a question and everyone would go, "Oh God, I can't think of that now," and you wreck your head for the whole day. Be like, who, who sang that song? And you'd be going, "I just can't." Remember. And then the satisfaction when it finally arrives to you about two days later, and you go, "That's who." It it's fabulous. That doesn't actually. happen now. You, you just go and look on Google and, and you know, I, I try not to, particularly if it's a song or a movie or an actor or a date or an event. I will try and try and try to get the grey cells working. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of the time it does work. Not always, but a lot of the time if I give it time and concert, it will come to me rather than the temptation right. of going to Google. It's the same with the maps, I think. You know when you get directions and people get directions. I hate using Google Maps. Yeah, I will because, avoid it if at Google all Maps possible. Is, is, will kill you. Well, it's not, even, it's not even that, but it's just, you know, like it's it's about trying to actually exercise your brain oh, totally. and actually trying to use some of the totally. brain, you know. Totally. But the, the, that kind of does check out, I have to say. I'm surprised for your generation it wasn't uh, country and westerns. Country, they're country super and westerns, popular. 
like films, you know, like yeah. an old Western yeah. film. Yeah. Those no, super no, popular no, amongst no, your generation. No, not really. No, no, no. I mean, I did. In the Western in the afternoon. Indians and stuff like that. There were, yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. And, and the old black and whites with Bette Davis and stuff. Uh, but no, um, you know, it's, it's it's drama. Well, in our house anyway, it's drama and it's crime and it's things like that. Mm. Although I prefer watching documentaries myself, oh, well, I have to say. But is that right, so that the millennials are into comedy? Well, I, well personally, I, that's the first thing I'd go for. Okay, like when well, I want to watch a movie, I kind of want to tell it. I wonder as part of that, uh, because we kind of grew up with all those um, amazing animated, you know, the, the likes of Toy Story and, you know, Finding Nemo and all those kind of, co- like they were comedic kind of kids films that they were animated. It was all the very heavy based on comedy I wonder is that now, what you look for actors now will be gone and scene sets will be gone and outside filming will be all gone because AI will be able to generate everything from a mock world yeah. so imagine cameramen people working in sound and vision actors Hollywood they're going to take an awful battering. Yeah, I wonder. Can we can we clone Neil Turnbull when the day no, comes? You hang up your headphones and we'll have a, an AI generated. Off you go, so uh, no. Whatever you're having yourself. Me, but there is a cartoon me. version of me. I'll share it. I'll share it again on my Instagram page. There, it's very funny. It's very good. Cartoon version. I need to see that. All right, I'll check. I'll check it out later on. I'll reshare it again. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Lots of other interesting stuff in the papers this morning, but I'm keeping an eye on the time. I'll come back to it. I'll come back to more of those stories after. 10. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I know, it's hard to get over an 800 million euro fund for Northern Ireland. No disrespect to them, but Leo Varadkar, uh, I don't know, sometimes I live on a different planet. He said, it shows our commitment to make the island of Ireland a better place for everyone. They must be absolutely delighted. So why don't we ask the British government now to give us 800 million euro or the equivalent of it in sterling so we can do work on our own roads, which are appalling and just going from bad to worse. Don't even get me started on the state of Irish roads, but at least there'll be 800 million to upgrade the road from uh, Derry uh, to County Tyrone. And good luck to them, I suppose. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'll have an update this morning with Josephine regarding her son, Kevin, because we started on air with that yesterday morning but can I also mention some other stories that we've been dealing with uh, of late oh I'll come back to them okay let me do, let me talk to Josephine now because everybody likes to get an update and think and hope that things all work out in the end so Josephine good morning Good morning, Neil. How are I'm you? I'm good, girl. I'm good. I won't. I won't keep you. I just wanted to update because I think you ultimately got some good news late yesterday afternoon. Did you? I did, Neil. Neil. He was found. I couldn't believe it. Literally, I thought it was going to be a funeral. I genuinely thought that it was not going to be a good outcome. It was literally ten minutes, like in the what, like out where my estate is basically, the housing estate in Wilton. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on the name of the estate, but basically, I mean, literally only ten minutes from from my estate. Um, he was in very. It was like um, all grass and all like kind of bog land right. like it's all bog all muddy and all and that who found him? Um, a little boy came up to me and he lives in this estate and he said I know where Joe, I know where Kevin is because him and Kevin used to be friends before but just like kind of grew apart ok, like okay I know where Kevin is so, so did you say take him to take me to him is it? so I said yeah I said can you can you bring me can you bring me to where Kevin is and me and him was rushing to, to, to go down um, where he was and, I, and he brought me to a place that was all grass all tawny bushes and all tree all well 
a place I never ever thought he'd be. Yeah, I know. And I said, in here. And he said, yeah, come on, come on. So I was rushing out the small little fences, um, climbing over them. I didn't care what I had to do once I knew he was definitely there. So I was climbing over there. Um, nearly, oh, this was very bad. Now, literally, I, I thought once, I nearly fell, all mud and all this carry on. So I got walked like that, and then the boy walked, he kind of rushed on ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I looked like that, and I spotted Kevin. Okay. He hit the black jacket on him. So I said, Kevin, come back home, I said, stop it all. The running and racing, yeah. yeah. Running and racing. I said, Kevin, come back home, I said. I said, you have to come home, I said. Everyone's looking for you, I said. Come home, I said, please. Come on, Kevin, come home. No, I'm not, no, I'm not. I said, come home, Kevin. I said, like that, I said. The guards are looking for you, I said. I said, loads of people is looking for you, Kevin. Yeah, I said, come on. Yeah. We have to come back home, said Kevin. I said, you need to go home. Come home, Kevin, to where you're safe. And um, he was hesitating. He said, no, I'm not, I'm not. And then he, it was like um, a small, like a very small flowing river. He jumped over the other side. And I, was, I couldn't, I, I don't even know how he even was managed to jump over because it was nothing to grab onto. I and so I was looking, <laughs> what am I going to grab onto? Looking, I couldn't even jump over because it was nothing to grab onto. Yeah. It, was, it sloped, yeah. like it was very slopey and very, very slippy and all that. And I said, yeah. Kevin, stop, stop doing this. I said, come on back home, will you? So there's no need for this. I said, come on, come back home. And um, the little boy, he was saying, it was saying, he was saying, come on, Kevin, come back home. Um, your family loves you and all that. And I thought, was like, Kevin, it's not fair so what you're doing, but what's okay. going on? It's okay. not fair what you're doing. I said, but Martin, Shania, and Leon, I said, yeah. and your daddy, I said, and what you're doing to me, I said, like that, I said, all of us, I said, we just want your home safe. I said, come back, yeah. will you? I said, what, what's, what's all this about? What's going on? Just tell me, so what's wrong? What's wrong? What, what, what's going on? Um, I just don't care. I just don't care. Just, but I said, come over, Kevin. Come over. We go to the house. I said, you need to eat. You need food. You have. It was twenty-two hours missing, now, like with no yeah, food. Yeah, twenty-two hours. I said, you, you, need, you need food. You need water. You need. You need you're going to collapse. You're going to collapse. You can't keep going. I said, you need to eat, you need to, you need to go home, Kevin. I said, you need to go back home so I know, yeah. we know yeah. where you're safe. Yeah. I said, please said, do that. Yeah. And then he came over and then we, t- we took walking um, got over him. the fence. Okay, okay. For people that may not have been listening yesterday, uh, Kevin's on the oh, autism God. spectrum. He's, he's 13. Um, so you got him home. Was he starving? It was like, I brought him, got him home, um, gave him his dinner, and then he, he ravaged it. God, he literally couldn't wait to get it down fast enough. He just he gave a drink. I said, um, I said, like I said, Kevin, um, I, was, I was kind, I was so happy to have him back, but I didn't want to, over, I, I, I wanted to know, like I wanted to know where, like all so many answers to me had like, I know yeah, yeah. there's a time for that though I suppose you know but I said not yet no at no. that time I said I have him he's safe thanks to God. God yeah 
I'm not going to a mortuary, God forbid. I'm not paying Well, listen, absolutely. Anything could have happened in the middle of the night. It's pitch dark out yeah. there and he was wandering around all night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was. And he, and he, he said, uh, I said, where did, where did you sleep? Because you never came in to the house last night. He said, front door was open the whole house. I said, you never came in. So where did you sleep? He told me, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what he told me. I slept under a tree. And I said, Kevin, I said, look at that. I said, look how dangerous that was. I know. You'll have to keep a very close eye on him, Josephine. But Definitely. thank God he's home, back in the bosom of his family and safe. I can't believe that, he, that we found him because I genuinely, I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I was, how it was, I was afraid to talk, to say it, because I didn't want to say, I didn't want someone to say back to me, yeah, I thought, I thought, he was either dead, or abducted, I was dead, I, I, you think the worst, oh, absolutely, and in the darkest of night, you will think the worst of everything, I know, but listen, thankfully he's safe, and I'm delighted for, can I, can I just ask you a question, because yesterday morning, Thinking a lot about this, you said that you know that you, you felt that the maybe the guardie weren't taking it as seriously as they should because you yeah. were of a traveller yeah. background. Do you do you yeah. find yourself as as a traveller that you get um, that you get is there prejudice and discrimination? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're very very criminal. Like they're very like or if you, like if you go into like not all places now. Even if you, if I go with my children. Um, if not all places now, not all places like that. If you go to get go for food, you, you, if um, you went to a, if you had a booking in a restaurant or something, would would it? Oh, that's often happened many a times to me. To pretend that um, oh no, um, we no, we haven't got this name. No, you you, you sure you booked? Are you sure you booked? And you would oh, have um, booked. No, I would have booked. Oh yeah, this would have been so. I would have done this week's work. I'm very. And you would go with your children or your family into a, a yeah, restaurant, and they wouldn't. Al- they, you'd have a booking. They wouldn't oh, let you yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, that's often happened to me many a times, and um, my children would be there, and my children would like. To, like it is embarrassing. Like it's, it's please. Like I don't. What's wrong with them? Like I do nothing wrong. We walk away, and then we often just go to another. Like just get something like out of a chippers or something like that, and we go home. But just man, but it's it's an awful. Would you always? Would you always go away? And you wouldn't even if you had proof of the booking or you did it online or anything. Would you? Would you always just quite? But it wouldn't. It wouldn't make a difference. No, even if I showed it, I often done that show. Sure, I have got a book. I have got. I've done that. Sure, look. No, we haven't. We haven't. Just for the sake, of, not because I'm telling lies. Or I, or I didn't book it. Just for the sake, I'd walk. I'd walk away. Why well, shouldn't? Shouldn't do that. Would it? Would it be the but same? In, in, would that be the same in a pub or going for a drink or something like that, or a bit of food in a bar? Oh, if it came to um, like um. Up there in um, Wilton now. Um, yeah, I don't want to know the names of anywhere, incidentally, but I'm just no, wondering, just in, just no, in no, general. No, I can go. I, we can go there and not bother. But no, if that was another another kind of pub now, like yeah. um, in town, for like instance. Yeah, like Wetherspoons. Yeah. When we go in there, we stick. We what I mean, we go in, and we offer got food. But we, I know they don't want us there. You can tell by the the reaction. They're just watching and watching, waiting for 
something like basically something maybe to fall or something to get out you can you can you feel it like it does you no know, good when yeah. you, you know, it really well does, you know, that might be the impression you get but at least I will say one thing you're you know and you should be left in I mean but at least you're allowed into Weatherspoons, whereas others would have door staff and would Not stop allowed. you on yeah would stop you on yeah, the door and do you worry yeah, for your children that they're going to be treated that way no, that will that 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 is going to be like that. I know that it'll never change. And any traveller out there knows what I'm talking about. They know it's, it's they they know what I they know it's right. What I'm saying, if, if like if you wanted to go out, just say if I wanted to go out with the girls now, and oh we go we go up here now, and what I go out there for? I don't. Yeah. I'm saying if you want to go out and have a few drinks. Yeah. We know before we go out, very very good chance we're not getting in. And would that be with other people from the travelling community? Would you ever go out with yeah, people who are settled yeah. and they'd be left in and you wouldn't? No, I won't, no, that never happened to me. It's before. always with I your own people. Go. Yeah, it's always with your yeah. own people. And, and do you think that, that they're on alert because of, unfortunately, some, some travellers, just like people in the settling community, but unfortunately some travellers can create an awful lot of trouble? It can, Neil. Like, there's no point lying, Neil. Like, it's good and bad in everyone, Neil, the point of it is. But you can't, like, 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 certain people, like, they, they could cause a, like, sure. they could go into a pub and they cause a fight yeah. and an argument. And the, and it works the same with travellers. Like, yeah. you know I mean, it doesn't mean we're all the same. Yeah, Neil, I know. You know Not I mean? all the same. Like, I know. Yeah. And it's so annoying and it is very aggravating, like, you know I mean? Like, if I go into, like, if you go into a shop, the minute they look at you, you're getting followed because they think you're gonna you're gonna steal in the shop. And would you ever say anything to somebody in retail, like a fashion shop or a supermarket no, or a chemist? I, I did deals in town one day. Um, I walked in. My, my four children was with me. Walked in, and the escorting man he kept following me, following, following me. I had um, the basket. I was picking up things, whatever, all around like that. And he annoyed me that much. I got back the basket and I said, no, what you do is you put them back on your, your shelf, you I said. And I buy nothing out of your shop. I said, the cheeky would follow me. I said, no, I didn't. The cheeky, and I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. The cheeky, well, you should be ashamed yourself. Yeah. I, go into, I go into deals and all of the cost cutters and places like that and nobody ever follows me around the shop. Ever. It literally really, really, really annoyed me. It really did annoy me. So I said, I'm, I'm going out. Well, it was so annoying. Like my children was there, my children was looking like the the new, the not fools. I meant that the new this fellow was following us because we're travellers, and they're definitely going to steal. That's what he and me. You never stole anything in your life, did you? Never, never, never broke the law in your life. But yes, yeah, yeah, never did. No, never did. And there is discrimination legislation against this. You know that? Oh, it is. But you know, the point of it is. Your word won't be talk. Well, there was a girl up the country, in fairness to her, during the about two weeks ago, and she took a case against a bar. She went in there with a group of people who were settled community, yes. and she was refused when she went up to get her round of drinks. They called. They said she was oh. drunk, which she wasn't. But she she took them to court, and uh, I don't think it was about the money, actually, Josephine. Although she did no, get awarded fifteen, she, yeah. she she did get fifteen thousand euro. It was a Weatherspoons pub up the country, and the judge said yes. that the boss of Weatherspoons in the UK, whose name I can't remember, mm. um, he he instructed him to issue her with a written apology. 
now that that was nice. Now to, to hear that. Now that was that, that was nice for the poor woman, like she would have been, you would literally nearly die like something well, happened. Would, like yeah, that. but would, would the same thing happen in a supermarket? No, they wouldn't refuse no to the No, but would you be followed? Would you be followed? Oh, yeah, you'd be followed. Not every shop's now, Neil. I won't say every shop. Do, do you know what I mean? But a, a good lot of the shops now, you, you would, like, they're, they're on, do you know what I mean? They are watching, yeah, in case you, because you're a traveller. You, you, in their brain, you're definitely going to, you're definitely going to sleep because you're a traveller. So you're probably, you're probably used to that now because you've had that all your life. I have, Neil. That's the point. You don't know any different and it's, and it's not normal to think that's normal because it isn't normal. No, no, I'm not saying it's normal. I'm just saying you get no, used to it. No, I understand it. Yeah. You get used to it. You you, you you just get used to it. Like, and, and someone them being discriminated, like them being discriminated, like being funny and they can't, they're, they're clever because they won't say, I'm funny new because you're a traveller because they can't say that. But you know it's because of that. I know, I know. And I suppose it's a worry for you with your children as they grow up. It is. You know? Yes, because I, I, like, they've often been many times with me, uh, and it's happened. And would they say, why is that happening? Why did that happen? Oh, no, I often, when, the, when, no, when, I, when it's, like, they're a bit older now, like, but when they're a bit younger, mommy, why is, why is that woman being like that? Or why yeah. is that? Or why can't we go, like why can't we go in? To that restaurant, and I, I, I wouldn't. I've no. I tell them truthfully why we can't go in there because I say because we're travellers, or if we get followed, I said we're getting followed. If if we come out, and I said, why, mommy, why was that? Why was that man following us, or why was that woman following us? Because we're travellers, and they think we're gonna we're gonna rob. That's why I tell them truthfully. I've known it, and I tell them that my children. That's why. That's sad. And I say that's wrong. Like they get. Yeah, like it's not fair because they get ashamed like yeah. and, and yet you've done nothing wrong no no that's no. how many four children get like to the men like I have four teenagers like to the men and, and even before they, even when they were younger they would look like and it's like to the men it, it was a sin my heart, my heart used to go out to them they used to I know cheek, like, I know I know my money is as good as anybody else's money yeah. like to the men yeah. to the men so well, why just because just because I'm a traveller I know I know Listen, listen. it's lovely chatting with you, Josephine, in spite of the trials and tribulations that you have to put up with in society. But I'm delighted that Kevin is safe. Uh, look after yeah, him and look after Thank yourself you, and, and your lovely family. All right, girl, take care. Thank you very much, Neil. All the best. Bye, Josephine. Thank take you very care. Much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Text 868 Pick up the phone. Get involved in the conversation. 0818 uh, The CEO of Weatherspoons um, has been told to apologise to Margaret O'Leary. She got €6,500 after the chains. Dunleary pub refused to serve her. She entered alone, uh, went to order a drink, but the first barman told her, not tonight, I'm not serving you, a duty manager. Um, uh, later refused to serve her claiming she was drunk and slurring her words but the judge held that his evidence was not credible and that it was discriminatory thank you for that Kevin text 0868104106 back after the break call Neil now 0818104106 the Neil Prenderville show on Red FM I want to bounce to this actually because Own English is under pressure after 10 this morning Lorna Bogue and uh, Ted Tynan went on a bit of a solar run at City Council last night trying to get us to reverse out of the deal with BAM and Live Nation it is he joins me by phone incidentally Own English from the Irish Examiner hello and good morning uh, my apologies let me get my lines right so Owen can you hear me okay good man it is eight years 
to the month now since the sod turning. Uh, eight long, long years. Uh, that's right, yeah, Neil. Happy sod anniversary. Um, <laughs> happy yeah. sod anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. So, f- where are we, as the man says? Um, we had a special meeting of Cork City Council last night that was forced, as, as you say, by, by Councillor Lorna Bogue, Ted Tynan and Brian McCarthy, who they, they each signed what they call a Section 140, which basically forced the holding of this meeting to discuss one single motion that they want to discuss. They wanted the City Council to uh, rescind, as they put it, the Council's request for additional funding from central government for the project and instead secure central government funding for a 100% publicly owned and yeah. operated event centre. Yeah. 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 And um, it led last night, Neil, to the Chief Executive of the Council, Anne Doherty, giving a fairly detailed report to, to councillors. Now, she gave the report in public, but it's actually information she'd already given to councillors at the end of January and that, that we've reported on as well over the last couple of weeks, giving an update on the, the, the latest state of play, which is as it was at the end of January, which is that, as we, we've known since before Christmas, that the final design of this thing is done, that uh, the council engaged quantity surveyors to go over the increased costs, uh, and that the city council has now prepared a report, sent that off to the Department of Local Government, setting out all of the details about how much extra this venue is going to cost, and the matter is now effectively in the hands okay. of the Cabinet let me just stop you on that point because the tender was won way back along. The sod was turned in February 2016. It was, and I'm reading actually from uh, the uh, copy from both the Examiner and the Echo this morning. Uh, the uh, expected initial benefit to the state, or sorry, state aid to BAM was 20 million. Then it increased to 50 million. And then it went to 57 million. And there's rumours about now that it could go north of 100 million. Would you go along with those numbers? 100%, Neil, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. That's so it is no any wonder that Lorna Bogue and, and co. would want to just pull the plug? Well, that's certainly their argument that, you know, whatever amount of public money is on the hook here or has been pledged to, to BAM and to Live Nation, they're effectively branding that a complete waste of taxpayers' money and that that this venue should only be 100% owned and and operated. But I suppose the point that uh, the council chief executive made last night was that uh, this venue, as far back as 2013, 2014, when consultants were brought in to look at this, this venue will not be built without a certain level of state aid. Now, there's obviously a separate argument about whether or not this is the process that should have been followed from day one, because there's an argument that, look, what was initially pitched for the initial state aid is not now what's being proposed for the site on the former Beamer. It could be five land. times the amount. Exactly, but what was initially proposed as the event centre for Cork over a decade ago is, we're told, a completely different animal now. That it's it's a much more it has a it's a multifunction venue. It can it can host sporting events, cultural events, concerts. Uh, and that's what was proposed, that if you're to compare what was repo- proposed 10 years ago with what's actually got planning now, it's like comparing apples with oranges, which is why the public money element has gone up. But I suppose Lorna Bogue's argument is, well, can we have transparency on this, please? 
and unfortunately because of various contractual issues and despite several attempts by us and others to get information through the Freedom of Information, the shutters have always come down citing commercial sensitivity. But you can't get away no with commercial contract. sensitivity anymore. RT, you're finding that now to their peril. This is taxpayers' money on. That, that's it, Neil, absolutely. Now again, look, the argument from City Hall is that everything that they've done to date has been to safeguard the public investment and, and Anne Doherty was very keen last night to stress that uh, yes, €57 million Euro of state aid is on the table pledged to help deliver this venue but none of that has been handed over yet so not a cent has been handed over to either BAM or Live Nation yet and coincidentally BAM and Live Nation are also putting their own money into this, something in the order of 35 to 40 million um, and that the only public money that's been spent to date and we've reported on this over the last 12 months is in the order of about 1.5 million euro on various consultants fees and on legal fees it's just so, it's mind-blowing that BAM Live Nation would pay 35 million for the 6,000 venue capacity and we would pay 100 million but BAM and Live Nation would own the whole lot yeah we actually have got clarity on that as well Neil over the last couple of weeks that's BAM and Live Nation, while they will build and operate the venue and, and own the building, the site which BAM originally bought from Heineken back in the day, that the state will actually own the land on which this is built. Um, but yet, yes, you're right, there are still a lot of questions around how this is going to be managed, whether given the scale of public investment, the public will have any say in how it's run. That has yet to be clarified. And there's also certain clarification required around you know, just how much money this is going to cost the taxpayer because we still don't know what the additional amount could be. I've talked to people who are suggesting that with building inflation and all the rest of it over the last three years, there could be another 30 or 40 million euro, which would bring 57 million already pledged, another 30 or 40 million. You could be talking 100 million euro worth of state money going oh into this. And was there a vote then last night by councillors? There was, yeah. Like, as I said, the only motion that was up for discussion was the motion from councillors Bogue, Tynan and McCarthy to rescind what they say is this request for extra funding and for it to be fully funded by the state. And they were the only three councillors to vote in support of that motion, of their own motion, which was to be expected, I suppose. So the vote was 25-3, just for the record. So, like, having why, why heard... Do you, the why, why do you think 25-3 was the uh, vote? Is you saying that... Nobody within Fianna Fáil, nobody within Fianna Gael, nobody within Sinn Féin can see the merit in rethinking this at all? Well, that was our position last night, Neil, that, you know, and Ardig sort of, she gave a very detailed report that included a kind of a brief history of the saga to date, and she said that if, if the council was to pull the plug on this now and start all over again, that the council would face a huge a huge amount of risks that it would have to identify a site itself, it would have to rezone the land, get a design team, secure planning, uh, and that it's taken us 10 years to get to this point and that if the council was to start from point zero again, we could be talking about another 10 or 15 years before uh, an event centre is built. So um, I think, you know, kind of weighing it all up, I think the, the councillor's view is that, look, despite all the challenges that this thing has faced over the last 10, 12, 15 years, we're now at a point where it's with Cabinet. If they make a decision to approve the extra funding, there's obviously a political decision to be made there around whether they chuck more money at this. But the view, I think, from City Hall and from councillors is that the benefits that will accrue to the city will, 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 will be several times 
uh, the amount of public money that's going into it. We've seen it, you know, Porky Creeve and the GA got 30 million to re- redevelop Porky Creeve. And the city see the benefit from that, I'd say maybe seven or eight times a year with big games and with concerts and all the rest of it. I think the view is that if we get something in the centre of town, like an event centre that has four or five events on every week, that it'll be a massive benefit to the city centre and that the the benefit back to the taxpayer will far outweigh whatever public money goes into it. That we've gone too far down the track now to come back from it. It's just we're over a Heineken barrel if you like we're just over a barrel and we can't get out of it yeah, well let's see let's see what the government does in relation to Which they the, will give money uh, they've, they've said they'll be looking at it favourably it's just the amount isn't it yeah it's just the amount yeah the whole market was very strong on this about a week or two ago he said look they're looking at the bigger picture they're looking at the benefit that this will bring to the city and to the region so uh, again look they'll have to stand over that politically um, but uh, that decision is, is expected within three or four weeks. So we're, we're almost at the point, Neil, where it's either it's, it's like make or break if they give this decision and the money is enough and Bam and Live Nation move on this, off we go. If not, we're back to square one. <laughs> Simon Coveley calls it too many false dawns. I think if it ever happens, they should probably give you a gold card, access all areas, VIP for every single event that ever happens in there. When, when, when do you think the curtain will go up on some event there. Any hazard a guess? <laughs> oh, Neil, don't do this to me. Uh, I'm confident that I'll be able to get to an event centre uh, gig without using a free bus pass. Let me put it that, that way to you. <laughs> <All right. laughs> on it will roll for another while yet. I'll stay in touch with you, though. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it as always. Thanks, On English with the Irish Examiner. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. And you can pick up the phone on 0818104106 to say good morning to everybody in Mallow, particularly down at the courtyard at the Arches in Mallow. They're having a Cheltenham preview night uh, and it's happening uh, tomorrow night at the courtyard at 8 o'clock. I know Cheltenham is a, a few weeks away, but this is a great cause. Tickets are 20 euro and the proceeds go uh, to the aid of Mallow Search and Rescue. Um, and amongst, amongst others, um, they also have the Ronald McDonald House charities in, in in memory of Aria's adventures uh, but Mallow Search and Rescue do incredible work and they're often on the air on this programme and any money that can be ever raised to help them I think will be a great thing for the people of Mallow to get behind it at Cheltenham preview night tomorrow night at the courtyard at the Arches so good luck with that raising that money can I give a big shout out as well to Laura Bridgman from Fair Hill who is now living in Perth in Western Australia it's a great article on her and her life and how she's loving life down and under in the uh, Echo this morning she listens to uh, this podcast every day in Perth she's always listening keeps her up to date and everything Cork and she loves listening to the podcast around Christmas because it gives her a lovely Cork Christmassy feel. So good morning, Laura Bridgman. Thank you for being on board and thank you for listening. Just staying with that lovely article about Laura, there is a lovely question there where she says, if you were back in Cork for one day, she was asked, what would your ideal ideal day be? And let me think you guys, for instance, what would your ideal day be in Cork? Be good to come up with a little prize for this, you know, maybe tomorrow and, and Friday. Text me exactly how you would spend your day on Leaside. If you're given a free day in Cork, what would you do? Could be the city, uh, could be the county. Um, but listen to Laura's one. I'll give you an idea of what she's talking about. The absolute dream for me is to be able to fly into Cork for one day, if only it wasn't 24 plus hours of travelling to get to Cork. It would be straight up to my mam's on Fair Hill 
where, all going well, we can have a lovely tea and cakes from Brackens. I then would pop into town, have a nose down Opera Lane at the old Topshop store and head to Penny's for an hour alone to do a bit of damage. Penny's always features, doesn't it? There's nothing like it, I think, in Australia or America, for that matter, Penny's. Following this, I would head to Crosshaven to hang out with my nephews and have Chish and Phipps sitting on a bench. Uh, still haven't eaten the fish and chips down at Chish and Phipps. I've got to do that this spring or summer. So that's what you do. Sit in the bench with our Chish and Phipps. Ideally, I would be transported down to my dad's new mobile in Kerry to take in the sights and have another cuppa in the kingdom. I would finish the day with either a meal in the Tung Sing up the magic stairs in Blarney. Um, uh, and she goes on then to talk about... Uh, actually, I don't have the rest of the article, but it gives you a good indication or as to how... Oh, she'd love, you know, just hanging out and with family and friends in the city and the county and uh, over to Kerry and back up to Blarney for the Chinese. What would your typical Cork day be? If you got a, a day that you could spend doing anything in Cork, and I've given an example of what Laura Bridgman would do, what would be yours? We'll come back to it uh, tomorrow. Get thinking about that. and We'll come up with a nice prize for it, hopefully, on Friday. Um, there's plenty of different businesses that we can uh, catch a gift out of, I'm sure for a typical day, a glorious day on Leaside. So you can text on that, text 0868104106. You can also email neil at redfm.ie. Um, and I know another topic that I must go back to. Something happened last year and, and I had to flip away from snoring. And I want to get back to it at some stage because the response was ginormous. And to anybody who did get in touch, if I haven't got you on the air or read your email or text, I will be coming back to it soon. I mention it again now because they're saying munching plenty of greens, especially um, things like cabbage or lettuce or peas or celery. Actually, apparently, um, you should rejoice if you love green veg, particularly lettuce, because it cuts snoring. Don't know how by much, but apparently, um, certainly easily 20 or 30 percent. So it's kind of worth it, isn't it? It's a story making the sun today. And there is another story then regarding um, the family household. I remember last last month, I got very annoyed when I read a survey saying that men are five times more likely than women to wash towels once a year. I mean, I think that does a terrible disservice to men uh, because I don't know how you can make that stack up that men, um, many of them, wash the towel once a year. That That's fake news. Nobody, like nobody would do that. It would absolutely stink. It would be walking. I mean, you, you know what the smell is like from a damp towel that's left hanging around. I mean, once a year, I just I just can't buy that. But there you have it nonetheless. Uh, that men are five times more likely than women to wash towels once a year. But I mention it again this morning because there's all sorts of research out now how to win the germ warfare in the home. And it gives all sorts of different suggestions as to uh, what we should be doing and what we should be replacing and how long we should keep different things. The article said families have been urged to replace common household items within their home, like towels, shower curtains, toilet brushes, to get rid of germs. I, I, I know what they mean with regards to toilet brushes. I won't dwell on that too much at this hour of the morning. It's probably a good chance you be, should be changing the toilet brush every couple of months. But they're saying bed sheets, chopping boards, toothbrushes, all become germ-infested and household items need changing way more often than we think. Even, they say, your mobile phone screen protector requires replacing annually. Um, but they drill in then to some of the items and how often they should be replaced. Shower curtains should be changed every three months. Really? <laughs> I mean, you'd have four different 
sets of shower curtains a year because of germs. You you wouldn't think that that was necessary, would you? That you should change because of germs your shower curtains every three months? Am I missing something here? They say the excess water leads to mole growth due to heavy moisture conditions. Open the goddamn window. Bed sheets should be replaced every two years, it's claimed. Now, clearly you should be washing them and washing them, but every two years you get rid of all of them um, because of dust mites and germs. Sponges. Well, I get that in the kitchen. Sponges should be changed as soon as the smell lingers. They go on then to talk about chopping boards um, should be changed once a year. You should get rid of all of your chop. Even if they go in the dishwasher or even if you scrub them or you bleach them, get rid of them. Toilet brushes, um, weirdly enough, every nine months. Now, that's one that I would think you should probably change possibly monthly or maybe every couple of months. But it goes on then. Our mobile devices are absolutely filthy. Your mobile phone, they say, is as filthy as the toilet seat, particularly the front of the screen. (laughs) Rugs should be changed every three years. Just got rid of. Hoovering the rug and constantly walking over it uh, brings in harmful bacteria. Like the hoovering is doing more harm than good, apparently. You're just moving around germs. Change your toothbrush after six months because the bottom of it is absolutely pitted with bacteria. <laughs> we, live in, we live in a very scary world, don't we, where everything now is deemed to be a threat that's going to kill you. It used to be like that. Shouldn't it? They were much hardier years ago, weren't they? Anyway, pass it on. Text 0868 104 106. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106 and I will come back to texts and emails in a few minutes' time. But I want to go back to the phone calls, the story that I just touched on there uh, just before, uh, just after 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, if you recall, I was doing the newspapers there and there was, um, there was an allowance given to women with breast cancer, right? Women who underwent, underwent uh, mastectomies, sometimes double mastectomies. They were entitled to, to two bras and one swim, swimming prosthesis per year under their medical card entitl- entitlements. Somebody somewhere in some department must have done a deep dive and looked at how we could save money. So what they decided to do was have it. Uh, these are for women who have gone through uh, very, very serious surgery, uh, mastectomies, as in removal of bras. Uh, and I just thought it was a very cruel thing to do, um, in spite of the fact that they spent so much money. I'll give you other examples of money being spent uh, earlier on this morning, 800 million being spent north of the border on Northern Ireland roads and 6 million, 60 million being given to Caseman Park, the GEA Stadium in the north. Um, it's just bizarre the decisions that they make uh, and yet that they would cut a fund like this for people. It's mean-spirited and, mo- and small-minded to say the least. It prompted a text from Ethna Hickey. Now, Ethna uh, has been running Supreme Silhouettes in Cork since uh, 2016, but she was herself um, a clinical nurse manager at the breast unit in the Bonds. So she certainly would be capable of talking on this topic. Ethna, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Well, am, am I actually missing something here, or would you believe it's cruel, no, mean-spirited? Yeah, I think it's very cruel. Um, I think the biggest there's a few angles I suppose from this. Number one is the way that we've been informed, as in we weren't any of the suppliers in Ireland, and uh, there isn't that many of us. So it would be very easy to send an email, even to include us in the decision-making process. Is so custom and practice has been that every lady would be entitled to two bras a year and every second year her prosthesis would be replaced. And can you explain now, those and the need? Can you explain those, please, and the need for them? Um, say a woman goes through. Okay, so after after a mastectomy or partial mastectomy, obviously the breast is removed. So it's a specialist bra you wear that has a little insert pocket, 
And in there, if you've had a partial mastectomy, you can put in a little insert that evens you up, basically. Gotcha. Or you put in a permanent prosthesis um, otherwise. So this is something they absolutely need. And in fact, would have saved the HSE by choosing, sometimes it depends on the lady herself or her surgical condition, whether or not she can or can't have a reconstruction. So reconstructions, obviously would be a much more expensive way to go than the prosthesis. Okay, and, and, that, you know, and, the, and then there's another, I understand exactly now, and the other one then is a swimming yeah. prosthesis, the purpose of that? Oh, it's so important that they swim after surgery. So after surgery and after having a cancer diagnosis, the majority of ladies are put on medication that actually cause baking. Um, and not only that, so they're, they're encouraged to get out and swim, but also because they cut through the lymphatics, when they've done the surgery, sometimes they've actually, well, you may have three notes taken, or you may have all your notes taken right. under the axilla. Okay. So the three would be only to, for a diagnosis. You may need to have more taken. Okay. The people that have three, but you can have complications afterwards where you get lymphedema of the arm. So you are encouraged to swim. Swim. To swim okay. and do your exercises. Okay. So, so, swimming is is, okay. so this was two bras and a swimming prosthesis as well. Well, I see the problem here is that, um, so it depended where you lived, your postcode, where you lived in the country. So some places you would get the swimsuit, others you wouldn't. Some in, just, in Limerick, you would have to justify it with a doctor's letter specifically requesting why you needed the swimsuit to the value of 85 euros. Then in the Justify why you um, needed the swimsuit. The swimsuit and why you needed to swim. Um, the, in You're the joking me, like write to them or send an email. Oh, no, they, literally, literally, I would send a letter, you know, saying please support post-surgical products and they would come back with the swimsuit. No, I need... That specifically, why do they specifically need swimsuit? Because they've had a mastectomy or a double mastectomy. But they already have the information, they've already provided the prosthesis, so you know they shouldn't need that information. It should be just common sense. But they do not. So basically, what they were trying to do, which I do get and I understand, they were going to have it nationally that every woman would get something because this was only for women that had the medical card. So there was an awful lot of people that didn't have medical cards maybe could afford health insurance but didn't have any excess money to be able to buy these products. Why? Would you, get, would you get this? Would you get this kind of offer from your VHI or Leia premium? Um, depending on your policy. Okay. So with some VHI policies, yes. With, you know, depending on your policy, they're covered and other policies they're not. Okay. Or only part of is covered. Only part of. But why? Uh, I mean, are you are you, to, are you saying to some extent you can understand it in the sense that it was kind of willy nilly where you lived anyway? It was only for medical card well, holders, that, and now they yeah, want. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, but we needed to standardise it, and we needed to have ladies, the ladies of Cork being allowed a swimsuit. They weren't allowed a swimsuit, and, and they felt a little bit by that. Why? Why did because it? Why did it vary? Reason, I don't know. They did try to change it back in two thousand seventeen. And there was the ladies' march to the doll over it. Um, but the changes didn't really come into play. So I think this is their effort at standardising it. But in an effort to standardise it, they've taken it from some people that have medical cards and they're giving a €60 Euro voucher or allowance um, to the other ladies. But the whole process has changed. So just say, for instance, previously, my medical card ladies, um, they would get a letter from their GP. They bring it to me. I do the applications for them, make it easy for them. They get their products, sign for them, and off they go. Now they've changed that process. So the process now is that it's done through the primary health care centres. So, say me, Ethne Hickey, would now have to find my primary care centre, go get my letter from them, a form. Then you have to take it either to your GP or a breast care nurse. So the breast care nurses, from what living it every day, I know how busy they are. They're not going to have time to fill in these forms. So then it goes back to the GP. So then presumably you pay your GP to fill the form. 
for a thirty, or, you know, whatever you pay thirty euros to the GP, maybe, or 60. and you get your thirty euro alone. Yes, but you're going to have to pay the GP to sign this form, right? Yeah, you? Least, yeah. Well, if you have a doctor's appointment, it's sixty euro. Okay, so you you pay the sixty euro, come out with your sixty euro allowance. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But the you point know? being is that every woman who's gone through a mastectomy, whether she's got a medical card or not, would get one bra per year. Exactly. So that's what they're doing. And then every second year, they'll replace the prosthesis. And we have no issue with the prosthesis because 200 euros for the prosthesis is fine. You can get a perfectly lovely prosthesis for that. That isn't the problem. But what they should have done is just rolled out what already existed. Uh, There are 3,600 women sadly diagnosed with breast cancer in Ireland each year. One in nine developing in the the course of their lives. And I don't know how many Mm -hmm. of the 3,600 a year result in a mastectomy or a double mastectomy. I'm quite sure a large proportion perhaps or... Do we know? Well, well, there is a large proportion, but there's an awful lot of variables to take into account. So they're making this specifically for mastectomy or partial mastectomy. They're not taking into account the ladies that have had uh, lumpectomy, would want to have radiotherapy, and they're coming to me maybe a year and a half, two years later, with radiotherapy changes where the breasts are shrunk and they're requiring a partial. That doesn't seem to be included, nor is included, well, they've actually excluded completely people that have had reconstruction. And if you'd had reconstruction even with the best surgery in the world, and as our bodies change as we get older, there could be discrepancies. So you will need a little insert. But yeah. they have now been completely excluded. And also people who go through, which is like a DF reconstruction, which is probably the more common that I'm seeing now. Okay. There they will do the first part of the reconstruction and six months later, the second part. Yeah. So for six months now, you're asking young girls to go around lopsided you know it's very very unfair. okay of I course it, obviously the surgery is is you know it's 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 big surgery but there's a huge there's huge it's psychological okay. trauma from surgery like this i would absolutely. imagine absolutely absolutely and they go through so much with their chemotherapy their mastectomy you know their radiotherapy the only light for them at the end of the tunnel is when they can see you know they'll see my post-op bras and they're kind of seeing all the nice pretty ones thinking oh this time next year you know i'll be one of these you know that you know and they do come back and they enjoy getting the nice bras. I mean, you know, they don't even have to be the most expensive. I mean, we'll always fit them in, which is best for them, you know. But it's sneaky, but I mean, isn't now it? It's a sneaky It's very, call. very sneaky. Well, it's the way that it has been done. I think that you can't change custom and practice. I mean, nobody was informed of this. They didn't impl- or inform any of the suppliers. We didn't get an email. I just got the email sent to me through somebody else. Um, and when I listened to some of the girls speaking yesterday up the country, they just um, had to actually get onto different HSC departments to try and get some information. And it's effective immediately. So I would have ladies that are coming to me that have, they link it with their, if they're coming from, you know, Kerry, you know, Waterford, Tipperary, they link it with their oncology appointment. So I'll I walk around there. I know, it's tough enough as um, it is. I mean, what I, should have happened yeah, here absolutely. is that what was already in existence, which was the two bras and the swimming prosthesis yes. every year for medical card women, should just been given to all women. But instead, exactly. they just cut every. They may well give one to everybody. Yeah. But that's not that's not the way it should have been. It should have been the same for everybody as it was. And, yeah. and I also think the changing the process, putting the onus back on them. I mean, they feel like they're begging for it. I know for, for some members of my family, they certainly wouldn't be going to their local uh, primary care centre, getting this form, going to their doctor. You know, then they send the form back to them. Then they get no, it's cruel. cruel. That's then they bring the form to me. On, on every level, it's cruel. It is. Yeah, you know, they go through is. so much. Yeah. They shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. And is this... I mean, for the amount of money that's involved, it's tiny.
Well, I keep giving examples of how we as a country or those in government spend money and a lot of the time waste money. Um, More examples of it this morning where at the same time this is a cruel cut to people who've gone through uh, major changes in their life. But is this a fait accompli? Is this done now or will there be any push? Well, uh, according to the email that I I read on on Monday, it's like, you know, I've I've been contacted and the primary care centres that I deal with throughout the country in, in the Munster region. And none of them knew anything about it last week. I'm still waiting for one or two to get back to me. So they weren't aware of it. It's kind, of, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of very interesting so, at the same time when we would be voting with regards to women in the Constitution, isn't it? Uh, and yet this is, this is happening in 2024 at the same time as the concerned. referendum. What? Also, none of these ladies, and they have obviously all of these ladies' names because they approve the payments every year. Now, one of these ladies has been contacted. I'm being inundated this morning now with emails. People trying to get their appointments in today because they think that they might just, you know, that aren't even do their stuff because they're, you know, they're hoping that, that they'll get it before it changes yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. They're trying they, to get they in ahead of the change. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to get in. And you could understand that completely. I'd be the same myself. Yeah. But I mean, they should have contacted those ladies they should, a letter should have gone out to each lady explaining the process. No, it's cruel. They're leaving it, the dirty work to us. Yeah, yeah. Now, we'll do everything, and I think all of the suppliers, we all feel the same way. We will do as much as we can to help these, these ladies. These things are not luxury products. Like They're just not. like They're not Absolutely a fashion not. item. Not. They're a necessity. Fairness, yeah. I oh. mean, trust me, I don't think any woman wants to be coming to me to get her lingerie. You know, even though I do have some nice stuff. I know, I know. I, I think know, that... She's, you know, if she had a choice, she would rather go elsewhere, you know. Okay, okay. Thanks for and highlighting it. It's just so unfortunate. All right. S- okay. stay, stay in touch if there are any updates in this regard. But thank you for um, talking this morning. And no problem at all. Shedding some light thank on Ethna Hickey with Supreme Silhouette. She herself a clinical nurse manager at the breast unit in the bonds. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Yeah, sometimes, man, this place, I don't know. I don't get it. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. And we have many of them. The Neil Prendival Show with Mercedes, Benz, Cork, uh, talking about um, different topics that we've been dealing with over the past few days. We, uh, actually, on electric cars, bought an electric car almost a year ago. It was a demo model. It had 10,000 kilometres on the clock. And since then, a year ago, it's been four times on a recovery truck in a year. Maybe six weeks in the garage in almost a year with an issue each time, the electric motor failure. And the car won't go nowhere, says Tom. Now 20,000 kilometres and the car is done, so about 10,000 kilometres in almost a year. And I was offered €13,000 on a trade-in. Shocking. A friend of mine paid €60,000 last year for an electric car and has lost €45,000 in a year. Don't give him my details at the moment because I'm having war with the dealer if he doesn't get me sorted out. So that's on one of our topics from uh, last last week. Uh, incidentally, um, we did check with regards to Rag Week last week because I got a, a letter in from a resident living up in the College Road, Connacht Avenue area. Um, and I will get to that call at some stage. Uh, but Michael O'Donovan from the VFI got in touch. Well, we got in touch with him. This is his last week as, as president. He said the week went well. It was very peaceful, very well organised. The bars and the college did well. There were a lot of events uh, organised on campus. There were a lot of people around, but none of the publicans contacted me to say that any of them had any issue with regards to Rag Week. Rag Week, I think, has got quieter over the past couple of years. On Joan Lane, uh, on yesterday's programme, a wonderful woman and reared a family after her husband fell from a heist down on the docks cleaning windows and... Um, 
Uh, that was pretty much the end of life as he knew it. And she went down the coal quay and worked all her life with her grandmother and reared the entire family. My ma'am, Mrs. Jones, knew Joan Lane very well. They looked after each other constantly down. And that was the way it was down on the coal quay. Everybody looked out for each other. Joan is an absolutely incredible woman. I hope that Neil will give her a special treat because if anyone deserves it, she does. She's given me the courage to continue in life. What an incredible journey and a resilient woman. Neil, I really enjoyed listening to Joan. She's a great woman. You'd see her in your with her family, constantly pushing a buggy or dragging bags on the beach. She's what you call hardcore. Fair play to her. That lady Joan is a wonderful person and has had such a tough life. Any hope you could give her a voucher for a little treat? Lunch or something would be nice, says Kath. I'm going to organise that actually because uh, I have many venues that would be very happy for Joan and a few of the family to head down for a spot of lunch. On the Middleton flooding, where are all the government representatives now? They couldn't wait to get on your show, stating that everyone affected would be sore you had a local rep from Middleton stating on your show that she lived on Main Street down there and that she would be moving heaven and earth to get all this sorted, says Anthony. Seems as if the residents are forgotten about. Money for Africa, money for Ukraine, money for the Middle East, but yet uh, and yet zero guardie, zero funds for local defence in Ireland, flood defence, drugs all over the city and criminals running amok. But that's OK as long as government officials look good in Brussels. It's Father Ted government. Um, it's a total disgrace. You have uh, to give three bank statements um, only if you're Irish to get flood relief. You have to give three bank statements. If you're from anywhere else, there's no means testing. Insurance in Ireland is a scam. You have a tip in your car. They tell you to fix it yourself. You have a leak in your roof. You have to pay the first 500 yourself. For house insurance, if you're prone to flooding, they won't even cover you. And then with regards to, sadly, all too often attacks on young people. Can't go on air, but my daughter was in town last week waiting for a bus a young boy was attacked by several other boys. He ran into JD Sports and they followed him in. The staff then threw the gang out and locked the doors, but kept the boy who was being attacked in the shop. She doesn't know what happened or why it happened or what happened afterwards, but I thought it was excellent of JD staff to come to the help of that little boy. Saw a video yesterday which seems to be from uh, the Douglas area where you have a gang of youths attacking a young fella in what looks like a cafe. He's pinned up against the counter and they're shouting and roaring at him. They're calling him a rat and things like that. Don't know what was going on with the staff behind the counter in Douglas, but all of a sudden then, one fella lays into him and gives him an unmerciful beating. The other guy is only trying to defend himself. And then they lay him to him big time and they give him an unmerciful beating. And this is in the middle of the day. You can see the menus up behind in the cafe in the middle of the day, uh, without fear and favour and fear of nobody, they literally just... Att- and then, of course, the same gang then uh, post the video uh, on social to show their wonderful, wonderful deed. Um, I'm a bus driver, uh, you know, with regards to the lad who got um, uh, got an awful lot of grief on the bus and then got off and got a bad beating. I'm a bus driver. There are cameras on and outside the bus and the clarity of the cameras is unreal. That lad and his family needs to the, go to the Gardaí to have the video footage released. The da- data on the cameras is only kept for 8 to 10 days so we'd need to act quick, quickly and that's from a bus driver I was doing my work at around 6 o'clock Thursday morning on Washington Street I witnessed four fellas at this one fella as he was waiting for the bus I saw the man run away from the bus stop but the lads went after him so I pulled in and I got out to help stop it thank God I did because God knows what would have happened if I hadn't but at least I did my bit and I stopped it and got this gentleman off to work can't come on air as I'm at work at the moment. Great show, says Daniel. Well, you know, I suppose you had to weigh up 
whether or not you should intervene or not. Some people wouldn't. Imagine many people wouldn't. But you did and it made all the difference. In relation to the young lad being beaten up after leaving the bus, surely the bus cameras will identify the thug. Yeah, and I hope that they do go and get the video footage and do something about it. Uh, and then we spoke yesterday of the massive Elvis Presley mural on uh, Flaherty's Bar and Parnell Place back in the day. You spoke of the huge Elvis mural this morning in Parnell Place. Now, I don't want to tempt fate, but if Killian Murphy wins the Oscar in less than three weeks' time, we need to do a huge mural of him, don't we? It would be a big tourist draw. Also, City Council should have plans in place now for a homecoming if he does win. Perhaps you should check out as to whether they're planning something. So thank you for those. Keep them coming. The biggest problem uh, we have in Cork is that there is no complaint in relation to most of the youth assaults that you talk of. There are guards on the beat in Douglas on a regular basis. Didn't you know that? Opening the station, Neil, would only take the guards off the street. Uh, So we hear an awful lot about youth assault, uh, but uh, this texter is saying and suggesting might be a guard themselves that an awful lot of the time there is no complaint lodged with Angarda, Shikona, and on that basis they can do nothing about it. So I have lots more texts and emails. I'll plough back into some more of them, but I want to get back to our phone lines now and touch back uh, with the topic that we uh, dealt with yesterday on air, and that was the um, uh, local residents who travelled to Dublin by train to meet public reps and to give in a petition of over 15,000 signatories yesterday. Can I talk to Caroline, please? Caroline, good morning. Morning, Neil. Th- thanks for pulling in. Uh, any idea how yesterday went? Um, it's hard to say. I suppose, look, as a group, we're trying to take the positives from every opportunity that we're given. Um, we at least had some TVs turn up to meet us, which we weren't sure about going in. Uh, we'd only had one confirmed, which was Pat Buckley, so we did end up having a few more. Okay, so who, um, do you mind me asking, Pat Buckley came out for Sinn Féin. Who, what TDs came out to meet you? Now, they weren't passing, uh, so they came out specific, specifically. They came and met us in the in the audiovisual room in Enter House, yeah. So, um, like I say, we, we didn't know that going in, how many would actually show, so that was a, that was a good start. So we had Pat Buckley, we had James O'Connor, uh, we had David Stanton, um, we had Donna Lira, we had Matty McGrath, uh, Michael Healy Ray, and Padraig O'Sullivan. Okay, um, so, a, so there was a fair smatting around the country yeah. and a few from Cork. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and um, we had no representative from the Office of the Minister for the OPW, which was a little bit disappointing to us as he's the guy, I suppose, that we needed to try and get in front of. Um, but look, like I said, we're trying to take the positives where we can. Okay, so the minister that mattered, what, what's his name? Uh, Patrick O'Donovan. Okay, oh, sorry, so, Patrick O'Donovan. Sorry. Uh, so the minister that should have been there wasn't there. Um, yes, but yes. what did those that were there say or promise? Um, so I suppose there was no promises made. Uh, we had six or seven speakers from our group who kind of gave our personal stories to just try to put the human side of, of this devastation across. Um, they've, they've assured us they'll work with us, that they're open to meeting people that have had the issues with the humanitarian aid and so on. And um, there was a suggestion, um, sorry, I should have also said actually Patter Tobin was also there. Okay. Um, Patter had suggested um, maybe putting together some sort of a, task force type scenario where we could get in front of maybe somebody from the social welfare, somebody from the OPW etc to try and get all the bodies together um, to air out the issues and um, we'll certainly be trying to pursue that avenue um, there was no necessarily commitment by anyone that that would happen but, but certainly we'll, okay. we'll look into trying okay. to make it happen. But without Patrick O'Donovan, the junior minister for the OPW that looks after mm-hmm. flood defences you were kind of talking in a bit of a vacuum, really. He should have been there. Did they, did they give you apologies as to why he... I mean, he did get an invite, did he? 
Yes, yeah, he got an invite. Um, we've had we we just haven't had an acknowledgement of it at all. Um, so nobody there, responded. There was a mention of him on the day. We have we have no. we have fifteen thousand signatures. There's fifteen or twenty of us coming up. We've all been affected by the flooding. We'd like to meet you. No response. Yeah, no. yeah. We had actually invited all of the TDs from the whole of the Cork area, as well as, like I said, Minister Donovan, the Minister for Social Welfare, the Minister for Education, um, because obviously this impacts kids across our, our communities as well. You know, there was lots of different aspects to it, so we invited as many people as we felt were relevant. And yeah, like I said, they, they were the, the few that turned up. But look, like I don't want to sound negative about it. We were grateful that that our locals came to hear us out. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it was it was disappointing that we didn't have, I suppose, the, the people that are in, in the position to make the decisions, you know, that impact us. But we're trying to take the positives where we can. Yeah, I know. Not much positives, though, uh, unfortunately. No, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, certainly on yeah. the stories yesterday, people getting estimates of mm-hmm. anywhere between fifty-five and 70,000. Uh, they have to get all sorts of means testing. Uh, they get refused for all sorts of different reasons. They have to apply for it. They have to send in estimates of the work. They have to complete the work before they get the money back. Um, God, I'm even forgetting some stuff I was told yesterday. Oh, yeah, many people that we were talking to yesterday, I don't know where you amongst them, has unfinished business at home. People haven't got kitchens. Mm-hmm. They don't, um, you know, uh, they, mm-hmm. they literally have nowhere yeah. to cook. Um, and mm-hmm. and, the, and yeah. the houses still remain unfinished. Um, it yeah. Could, it yeah, I am it, one of those. Yeah. It just couldn't be any worse, to be honest with you. No, no, no. It's 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 a living nightmare. And I, I don't say that uh, to be melodramatic about it. Um, like I said yesterday to you, you, you don't understand the impact of this until you're living it. Um, it. You know, people presume you just get the dehumidifiers in and the mop and the bucket and you go back to normal life after a week or two. That's so far removed. No, not from if you throw everything out from the ground floor level yeah, up yeah. and halfway up the stairs yeah. and everything. No, it's a completely different volume yeah. to that. So you, you came mm-hmm. away then with very little, really, I, I, I think. Um, or were they were, Yeah, they, I... I we came away with very little commitment to delivering anything, um, but I suppose um, our aim from yesterday, we didn't go up with, with any sort of naiveties about what results we were going to get. Our aim was to make the point that we have 15,000 people here in East Cork that are not happy with the current situation and that need help. Yeah. And I think we have highlighted that. We've made them aware we're not sitting back and taking it for another 10 years. Um, and I suppose, again, that's what we're trying to take away from the day. And it, to us, it's the first step in the process. Yeah, it's the first um, step. We're yeah. certainly not, yeah, we're certainly not, not finished our campaign by any means, but it's it's the first step. You yeah. see, the, what I got the impression I got yesterday was the amount of red tape involved in all of this. There's the length mm-hmm. of the document. It's pages and pages and pages. There's all of the means testing. Mm-hmm. You have to send copies of bank statements and everything like yeah. e- either they're going to pay or, or they're not really like mm-hmm. if you have money in a bank account that's hard saved it could be for a college fund it could be for later life um, you shouldn't yeah. have to yeah. drain your own bank yeah and that's that's very much my position on it like I, I get up every morning and I go to work as does my partner Aidan and we pay our taxes and we pay every tax we've been asked to pay since we started working at 15 years of age and any money that's sitting in our account is not there for rebuilding our home every 6 or 12 months when it rains No and the chances of it happening again of course are not far from happening again yeah. Um, uh, yeah. do, you, do you mind um, I also know that I've got uh, Ashling set up you know Ashling McAvoy in a very similar situation to to your good self. Yeah. I haven't met her actually. I'm not familiar with her, but um, no, like I, I mean, it, there's a whole community there. So uh, yeah. Do you I mind, do you mind if I yet. just pick up the conversation with her and let you I stay in touch, not, Caroline? All right. 
Take care. Yeah, yeah, no okay. problem. Thank Karen you. Lee is front and centre in this, Secretary of the Middleton East Cork Flood Protection Group. It could happen again, and there's chances it could happen again in the autumn. It could happen even sooner. Who knows? Because there is nothing done uh, to uh, fix it or prevent it happening again, never mind the work that needs to be done to people's homes. 500 residents and 300 businesses. Ashling, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, just pick up on that, actually, if you don't mind. But tell me your own situation. Have you had assessors in and out since back end of early December, I suppose, yeah? Um, we did. Um, our assessor was in the early um, December, and he literally ran through the house, didn't really take much notice of what was around. I think it was just more to tick the box and say that he had visited us. Um, and he turned around and he said, look, this isn't like insurance. Now, this is more of a token payment that you'll be getting. And um, that was it, really. Now, let me just also say, you're not even Middleton. You're the flooding victims from Copper Value in that area in in, in Glanmire, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And this was not your first flood. This was not your first rodeo. No, it was our second flood, so... The difference between the two times is just unbelievable. Um, like the second time, the level of water, the flooding itself was a lot more severe. So the first time we did have flood insurance. Um, so the difference is there. You get your assessors down, they, you know, you get your quotes in, but at least you have money coming. You can continue to, you can rebuild your house. Was the um, renewal of the insurance, um, which precluded flood, was that in very small writing or was it flagged to you that you don't have flood cover? Uh, it was at the, it's at the bottom of the policy. Okay, you saw um, it. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Okay. we okay. did know we didn't have it okay. anymore. But we were we were told the first time that we were flooded that, it, you know, it was a freak accident. It was a one in a hundred year kind of a chance of it happening. So while we were fixing up our homes and getting on with things the last time, the difference was we weren't looking over our shoulder for the next heavy rainfall thinking it was going to happen to us again because we really thought it would never happen to us again. How soon was the second flood after the first? Eight years. Okay. And the damage the second time was substantially more like what kind of damage? Um, the level of water was higher. Um, pretty much the first time it was at the front of the house. There was very little around the back of the house. The second time everywhere was swamped. Um, it, the, just, the sheer volume of water was massive the second time around. The first time around for us, it was due to a blocked drain um, and that water came up onto the road and that actually came into us, whereas the second time was full-on river bursting its bank yeah. and just water coming so from everywhere. So did that wipe out everything downstairs then? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and halfway up the stairs as well, carpets. Good morning, literally, yeah. Every, yeah. but literally everything, everything downstairs. Did you get a, a, a figure regarding the assessed damage? Uh, well, we got our three different quotes. We filled out the forms that we had to fill out, but um, like as regards a payout, all we got was to cover it towards the um, the white goods in the kitchen. There's been nothing else. But did you? Um, what like was the damage the assessed at? Oh, um, it's kind of upwards on 50,000. 50,000. So they're, they're between 50 to kind of 70,000 50 down to here, 70, really. Yeah, that seems to be a similar yeah. kind of figure in Middleton, 50 to 70, 75. Yeah. And, and you're telling me that you got like a cooker or a fridge or a freezer, white goods, that's it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. 
And that's it. That, well, there is meant to be a third t- payment. It's meant to be three stage payments. Um, so, but nobody has been in contact with us since that date in early December to let us know, you know, to come back with an offer. That we've had absolutely no contact since that visit by so anyone. the cooker and the fridge and the freezer is a tumble dryer and a washing machine as well, is it? Yeah. Okay, so, but that's only like three or four grand. That's it, yeah, yeah. And was Micheál Martin in your house after the floods? He was. He came down and he came in and um, I had a chat with him the same day. Um, We were in the middle of chaos and um, I said to him about the humanitarian document that it was unfit for purpose. Um, The house was in heap. We were trying to clear out the house. At the same time, there was an awful lot of um, weather warnings. So we were going from being in the house, clearing things out, to running out of the house to put up sandbags if it was raining. And I can remember the same day, like everything downstairs was wiped out. So I was actually struggling to find a pair of shoes to wear. Uh, And I said that to him. I said, you know, people aren't in the right mindset. We can't, like a lot of those documents that you would have, you know, where would they be? They'd be inside in the drawer in your kitchen that were thrown out into the skip. So like trying to actually source the document, Mm. trying to find the headspace to fill it out whilst you're trying to repair your house and you're kind of trying to protect it from the outside as well. Mm. It was just impossible. And he was very sympathetic when he was here. He uh, he agreed and he said straight to my face that the document was outdated and unfit for purpose in today's world and that he was going to go back um, and rewrite a new document without all the red tape. So he walked away and we thought, God, he really listened to us, you know, and um, he was going to do something, but... That was it. Okay. It's all talk. Okay, okay. Um, I was interested by all of your email, but one portion of it really jumped off the page to me where you said uh, that the flood has robbed our past, our present, because we're just surviving now, trying to rebuild our homes, um, working extra hours, no lives, and also robbed our future because any savings that we had are now gone. Savings for our children's braces, savings for our children's college funds wiped out. That's awfully, awfully sad. Yeah, what what do you make of news this morning then that eight hundred million has been set aside to uh, improve roads in Northern Ireland, and sixty million has been given to Casement Park, the Northern Ireland GAA pitch? I just think it's an insult. It's like we don't matter. The, everything to do with the whole humanitarian fund is just like a circus. Um, and the fact that we work, you know, that both of us work, it's like nearly a stick to beat us with. It, it, they, like they said that to us, you know, if one of you were only working now, you'd have a better chance. But the fact that you're both working. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the working man you know, and woman, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's touch. like you're just penalised for trying to do the right thing. And that's tough. You know, and anything that you've been trying to put away, you're trying to save for your children's future. Um, and that's all gone as well. You know, you're yeah. back to nothing. You're trying to rebuild things to just what they were. It's not like you're trying to better yourself because there is no bettering yourself in this. I mean, it's patching it up. That's the difference between having your insurance and working off this humanitarian fund because... You shouldn't have to like, feel as it, if it, you're begging, it, it, though, yeah. But it wasn't a matter of being able to rip the house apart and redo what needed to be done. It was basically scrounging around and trying to kind of touch up things, trying to patch up what you could. And, and that's where we're still at, a patch up job. 
Um, we still haven't our house finished. We we haven't even started on the kitchen because it's just it's it's big money. So what do you do um, then for cooking and cleaning and washing and laundry and things? It's functioning. No, it is functioning. We have. Um, it's just. Um, <laughs> There's holes and gaps and, you know, it, 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 the top half of the kitchen is fine. The bottom half is all holes and, you know, we've, and because, we've and because of all pinned of these, it back together. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just, as you said, you patched up everything as best you could. We because patched it up, but, like, there's, there's no doors on it and there's, yeah. um, so does it, you know... I wonder, we, is there a mindset amongst residents, whether where you live or further down East Corkway and Middleton and areas like that, that it's even pointless doing the work, spending the money, all of your savings... Because this is just possibly, probably going to happen again. That that came into it massively because when we were going around to um, different tile shops and we were chatting with all the neighbours as to what to do, like a lot of people were suggesting that you go and you you tile, you know, almost put a data rail halfway up your wall and tile halfway up the wall around the house. So basically you were trying to turn your house into a swimming pool ready for the next time in the hopes that the water wouldn't hit over the level of the tile and you might be able to just clean it, clear it out. Which, it, it, like, it's ridiculous. I spoke to that in many of the tile shops and different people and they were saying, asking, like, you, you don't try to rebuild your house, um, you know, looking at the next flood to come because if the water comes into your house, there's no tile, there's no flooring, there's nothing that waterproof no, for that volume no, of water. No, it's... it's, it's it's infuriating. It's and there's it's other exhausting. people, and they're planning. You know, they're trying to put their kitchens up on stilts, and they're trying to lift everything up off the ground. Like it, it's crazy. You wouldn't even believe the things that we've been trying to do down here. Well. Certainly, I remember at the time, just finally, there was all this talk of the government won't be found wanting. You'd all senior politicians coming out, some of them visiting. You won't be found wanting. We're here to help. We will help. We have the fund. We're increasing it. All this stuff. That sounds to me as if it was a, a pack of lies. 100%. And I've had calls myself from strangers down as far as even Castle Martyr that they've been telling me they're flooded five times and they don't know what to do. And a lot of them are elderly people that they're not even able to talk or shout about it. They have no flood defences. A lot of them are out of their homes. So, you know, it's not even just Glanmire or Middleton. or it, It's far beyond. People have just been left with nothing. OK. I don't know what happens next. Do you? I don't. Mm. Um, I don't like I did go as far as I've emailed Michal Martin myself personally and I've emailed his office before Christmas and um, uh, I've got nothing I, I did call out Michal Martin and ask you know why he had promised all that he promised and done nothing about it um, and I got as far as a response from his secretary saying you know if I had trouble filling out the form that they could send someone down to help me fill out the form, which was just a complete insult. It's not that I have any issue in filling out any form or any document mm. of any sort. It's just what was asked of the document was just a disgrace. Mm. Mm. All it did was added more pressure mm. at a time when we were already stressed to the max. Okay, okay. Listen, thanks for your for your update, Ashling. Uh, who knows what the future will be will bring? But do stay in touch. Yeah, Neil, can I just say thanks once more, though, to all our local people, to everyone in Glamour that helped us out, because, like, without our own community and our own people, 
we would have had nothing at all. That's all we had to survive on. Well said, well said. Thank so you for that. we appreciate all that. Okay, Ashley, thanks. thank you. And thanks to Bye. Caroline, everybody else who's been on over the past couple of days. Back after 11, text 0868 The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Oh my God. Conversation that matters. And get involved in the conversation. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. It is so busy. There are just so many texts and emails and calls coming in on a regular basis on different topics. Can I just deal with some of them, if you don't mind, from earlier on this morning? Giving money to Northern Ireland as part of the UK when we have a country road between Cork and Limerick, towns and villages around the country emptying their sewage into rivers and lakes. We have prefab classrooms. Is not something. Is, is these are these not things that we should be doing? Who made this decision to give eight hundred million to roads and a GAA stadium in the north? Heads need to roll over this. It seems it's deemed racist and far right now to wish to see our taxes being spent in our own country. Is it? Says Peter. Um, another one. Why don't we ask the British government to give a second or even third bra to all of the mastectomy citizens here who've had mastectomies and have had their entitlements removed and reduced because our finances are going to repair the roads in the north is not a joke it is a shame uh, Neil beware of Greeks bearing gifts I hope the good people of Northern Ireland treat the 800 million as a gift uh, the sucking up to the Brits is sickening uh, and one or two more then I was chatting with Josephine and thankfully her son is back now and he's safe in the bosom of the family but there's some very critical again um, unfortunately critical texts of travellers remember I spoke to her about because uh, she had mentioned discrimination of travellers and we chatted about that. Richie says, uh, here we go again, I've said it before, uh, when travellers are playing the victim with regards to their claims of discrimination or whatever, you're happy to throw them the pity party, Neil. But when travellers are responsible for criminality and antisocial behaviour, as we've seen recently, you don't even mention the traveller word, says Richie. Uh, and whose fault is it, somebody else says, that they can't get into these places? All, all, I, all I can tell you is that, yes, indeed, there is violence within certain sections of the travelling community and there are feuds and there are fights and they do, from time to time, wreck places. But not all travellers, certainly not Josephine. So why then should she be discriminated against when she has never broken the law? Anyway, get your head out of your ass. Travellers wreck all bars everywhere they go. It's a sad fact of life. As soon as they drink, they fight. It's understandable that you must play devil's advocate, but nobody wants them in pubs or society or in our neighbourhoods. You wouldn't want them in your neighbourhood, would you? And don't lie. I think that's cruel. I think it's very general. You're making a real generalisation. At least she is honest. Fair play to her. I have to say that she, as an individual herself, Josephine, sounds like a lovely woman. Just ask one of your researchers to spend the afternoon in Mahan Point Shopping Centre and see the carry-on of the travellers. Should that be some travellers? I work in a pub and we sell food. On a few occasions, we served traveller families food. You should see the mess they left the place in. Broken glass, food all over the table and the floors, kids running up and down the place while we're trying to serve hot food to our customers and the banging of doors. They were not minding the kids and one child, aged around three, got her finger caught in one of the doors. Maybe this is why they find it difficult getting in. Listening to the traveller lady on the line, I would like to just like to say that it's not just them uh, that are followed. I'm a normal girl, not a traveller, and every shop I go to, I am followed around the shop. I've been turned away from pubs to be told I'm too drunk and I haven't had a bit of alcohol in me. It's just because I look like a traveller, although I am not. So thank you for those. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. I judge the book by the cover. I judge people on an individual basis. Now, 
it will annoy people and people will be angry to hear that saying that I'm not being 100% honest I have acknowledged that there are issues within the travelling community of course there are uh, on the event centre it's a disgrace how much money is going to the cost of this event centre it would be more in their line to give the money to the people in Middleton to help with the flooding also the centre is going to be in a bad place it will be nothing more than a massive bottleneck says Michael um, thank you for that keep them coming text 0868104106 added to the fact of course that we waste so much money in this country and indeed in this city it's a good thing that the fireman's rest should be renovated and it is and look it's beautiful it looks great it's there on Anglesey Street we leave the official opening but at the cost of 300,000 Euro, come on. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Keep it coming, lads. We were chatting last night on social. Uh, you remember last week I was telling you about uh, pub culture in Ireland and has it to do with price or indeed is people's socialising habits changing? Um, and then there was a story the other day of a uh, pint of uh, cider in a pub in Temple Bar where they were charging €10.45. Uh, and we also gave you an example of a pint bottle of Bulmers in the bar in the airport where they were charging €8.70. Um, there are a lot of different texts on this and many people who are talking about uh, the pub or pub culture talk about price, price, price. A lot of com- lot of them compare Spain or going overseas and doing the same there at a much reduced price and others then are talking about um, uh, the fact that their lifestyle has changed and uh, they no longer head to the pub and younger people are doing different things so they're in for um, you know there's a big change within the within the uh, the whole pub culture indeed I was looking at a statistic recently in less than 20 years in Ireland now in less than 20 years nearly 2,000 Irish pubs have shut their doors for good uh, and Covid didn't help of course um, and many 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 people changed their, their their views on life certainly during Covid but one has to wonder you know whether there was a time when there was just too many pubs in Ireland but anyway the challenges for the pub industry are many it could be social changes it could be people you know not going to the pub and doing different things in life instead it could be price um, but I want to say thank you to Michael O'Donovan who owns the Castle Inn on North Main Street he's the outgoing chairman of the Cork branch of the VFI he was always available he was honest, always honest and very open he was always at the end of the phone and he did the industry uh, a good service and he was very kind to us in the media and I wish him well, Michael O'Donovan. Pat Crotty actually is the new CEO of the VFI. I think he's probably on his way to Cork. He's pulled in for a quick chat. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Pat, Pat uh, Michael's a good guy. He did you well for many years. Uh, he'll continue in the bar, but he was a great advocate on behalf of publicans. So well done to him. Yeah. Absolutely. Served served uh, uh, the industry well in Cork and served Cork well at the, at the, the NEC in Dublin. So he's, he's a good guy all around. Yeah. Lots, of good, lots of experience T- there. Tell me, tell me about the challenges now at the moment and even more so going forward because uh, we're creeping slowly but surely towards, and I, I don't mean to sound sensational, but we're getting closer and closer to a tenner a pint. Well, we're in, I just, <laughs> that might be a bit of motive. I mean, you can pay anything you like, anywhere you like. You could go to the Savoy in London and you pay a completely different price. Uh, some, In some cases, price is related to the experience. In other places, uh, it's not. And if it's not, the customer should get up and walk. If, you're, if you don't think you're getting value for money in one shape or form, whether it be the entertainment, the ambience, the quality of the drink itself, the, whatever, you're buying a total package. Uh, if you didn't want to buy a total package as much as 
easier to go to the supermarket and and bring it home with you. Mm. So it's not just about the drink; it's about the whole the whole package. But there there are an awful lot of challenges at the moment, Neil. Uh, uh, we came out of COVID and said, "Thanks be to God, we can get back to normal now." And the next minute, we were we were uh, affected by a war, which created inflation that everyone knows about. It is not unique to the pub. Every business, every family, everyone who had to buy anything or indeed get your mortgage, inflation caused by the war, lack of supplies of product caused by the, 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 yeah. all the supply chain issues. All those things have just added and added over the last two years. And this year, the government have put the tin hat on it by putting uh, uh, unsupportable levels of increase in in uh, pay on people at the lower end and we have no problem with people at the lower end being paid more and having more money to take home but what we're saying to government is that if it was any other project they were taking on they'd have a budget for it in this case there's no budget they're just yeah but minimum rates of pay are a working wage that's for all people in retail it's not just pubs or restaurants or hospitality it's right across the board correct and right yeah but just the the the, the fact of the matter is that over 80% of the people in that category work in hospitality and it's the nature of the game for most people it's their first job it's their age They're, they're still in school or just started in college they have no experience that's why people start on minimum wage, um, and and most of the excuse me, most people their first job will be either in retail or in hospitality. And I say eighty percent of of minimum wage work, age workers are minimum pay workers are in are in hospitality. That's why it is a particular hit on hospitality. It's not we're not playing poor mouth on this or saying it's, it's but just why can't well, but, people, but, but it mostly affects us. But if that is the case, why is it the case that publicans pay little wages? Um, does but that they don't pay little wages. Our minimum wage, as is, is 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 the second highest in Europe, and and I think it's something like seventy or eighty percent above the average in Europe. We are. It's not low pay at all in Ireland. It's regarded as low pay. But for someone who comes into a pub and says, "Will you give me a job?" and you say, "What experience have you known? What age are you? Seventeen or eighteen? Um, are you? You know, all the different things that go with that. Like, so people have to start somewhere." Well, Why know, then would somebody but, but, agree okay. looking for a job as a marketeer? You wouldn't be saying, "Well, I search on minimum wage." I, okay, well, I'll, I'll accept that. But uh, and I also know that a lot of excise duties, whether it's a pint or a short, or whether it's a bottle of beer or indeed even a bottle of wine at a restaurant, the vast majority of that goes in excise duty and VAT to the government. Firstly, doesn't it? Correct. And then the rest of and it then way out of kilter on that too, relative okay. to all our neighbours. So, like we tend to be good Europeans, but. Uh, we're better than most in regard to tax. Okay, but when there was no war in Ukraine and when there was no COVID and there was no other issues like that and there was no raging inflation, the price of the pint and the price of going to the pub was climbing anyway. Yeah, well, look, nothing ever comes down and, and yeah, everything climbs, but, but it, it climbed very little. We had a stage there of several years where inflation was almost zero and, the, and, then, and things moved very little. You know, most prices, like the price of a TV, the price of a car, we had a, we had a situation for several years where lots of things didn't move much. But the inflation of the last several years has meant that, and you take it that if the price of your pint goes up today, as in coming into the into the pub, and the price of your your meats goes up next week, you don't change the prices of everything every day or every week as the as the price the cost price changes. You absorb and you try and maybe do one increase in the course of the year and hope that it balances out. But doesn't isn't it is that the levels the levels of increase can't be absorbed? They're too big. 
But is it a case that it's Diageo do the increase or Heineken do the increase and you guys have to put their increase on and then top up the increase with your own extra little bit? Well, the, the, I mean that that's that's if if the vast bulk of your business is is with Heineken and Diageo, which would be the main the the, the main business for for pubs, um, they tend to say, yeah, we will we will if we need to take an increase, we will wait till the Diageo or Heineken go up, and then we will do it all in the one, rather than having a piecemeal thing of because the rates went up today, I'll put up, I'll have to put up a penny on the pint, and because the wages goes up tomorrow, I'll put another two pennies on the pint, and. And then the agile goes up and we'll put five pennies. You do it all in one and it becomes one thing. And and obviously you have absorbed costs until you get to the point where you go up. And hopefully by the end of the year, it balances back. But is it unfair then to compare two different texts that I received overnight? My partner paid €15.60 for two pints in a pub in the city on Sunday. It's gone beyond ridiculous. So that's €15.60 for two pints in Cork. And then somebody else says, a friend of mine was in an Irish pub in Spain last week. We got a pint of Guinness, pint bottle of Magners, a Coke and an apple juice, nine euro the lot. Irish publicans must think we're morons. Well, I, I'm disinclined to believe the second one because I go to Spain myself and I like Magners and when, especially when you're in Spain and the weather's hot, Magners is ideal and a, a pint bottle of Magners in Spain is seven or eight euros on its own. So he's saying that, that that's so he's saying that that's. I'm just saying that that one that one is uh, possibly gilding the lily, but the point is still valid that that the the prices in other countries are far less than here. That is not in our control. That is in the government's control in the form of tax and excise, as you mentioned already. They they, they uh, they're happy that we will have one of the highest excises in Europe. Where is uh, the Spanish don't? I get that. <laughs> so the, the Spanish don't. They actually charge virtually nothing, and their wine has nothing or a couple of cents, I think, of excise on. Their, on their wine. Okay, so but they're uh, producers, and they take pride in their being producers, and they want their producers to be able to sell more. In Ireland, we take a different view. We want to stymie the the, the sale. So we can export it with no excise. So a pint of Guinness that's brewed in Dublin is dearer in Dublin than it is to export it to um, pubs in Spain. That's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Well, it's, well, it's extraordinary. Yeah, uh, okay, so uh, another one then, which will be an issue for you, will be the off-licenses. Texter says, the smoking ban shook, shook the pub culture and COVID killed it. People found out just how cheap it is to drink at home. €23 Euro will get you 24 bottles of Heineken and off-license, while €23 Euro in a pub will get you maybe three, if you're lucky, four pints. Yeah, well, that has always been the case, and I mean, and I was always, I used to be a publican, and I used to, and I used to also sell food, and I always marvelled that they, they were able to tell you that you could buy, the, as you say, the bottle in in the supermarket for one euro, and it was four or five in the pub, and they couldn't see the difference, but they never saw the fact that uh, in the pub. We provide service, we clean up after them, there could be live music on, there could be Sky Sports on, the heat is on, everything is provided for them. You are not buying the same product. You are, you are buying an experience which includes everything that is that, that the pub offers. Okay. And if a pub offers absolutely nothing, well then maybe you would be better off at home. There is a big... Gen- not, not saying- it, but in, in spite of everything though, I, surely you know, you, I'm quite sure you do, there's been a big generational change now in how people approach life. It maybe was happening anyway, but certainly after COVID. The youth of today, right? They're not going to the yep. pub. There's no day drinking anymore. So all of those pubs would never survive. They don't go out during the week. They rarely go to the pub. You know, they. I accept now there's been an 
an increase in the use of cocaine. That's for another day. A lot of them are hitting the gym. They're climbing mountains. They're, they're, they, they want to be, they may have young children that they want to be a pair, part of their rearing. The pub isn't for them anymore. They don't want the hangover the next morning. They're going to the gym. You know what I mean? It, it, this is inevitable, yeah, no, isn't it? That. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I, I can quote you the, the numbers too. Like, we never had as many people who not drinking at all at all. We never had as many people drinking no and low alcohol products. Pubs run out of Heineken Zero, so th- that's got to be telling you something. Absolutely, but but the, if they are, it means that that people who don't want to drink still see the pub as a place to go, whether it be for an event, for entertainment, just to meet their friends. It's still part of the equation in regard to the, the entertainment offering or the, the, the leisure time offering. And and the publicans who who want to stay alive are realising that. I mean, there there is more music in pubs now than there ever was. Um, I mean, we, we mentioned TV sport. There's lots of other ways and means of, of making your, your premises relevant to your audience, to the people in your own area. And and, and uh, the people who do that will stay alive. And the people who just sort of stand behind the counter and hope customers will come in, well, they won't stay they alive. They won't. But the, fa- the fact that 2,000 closed in less than two decades, surely that's just yeah. saying there were too many in the first place. There possibly were. But the other thing is that there was possibly too many in wrong places. If you had a small village that had four or five pubs, and we can all think of plenty of them, but they don't have the same population anymore. People have moved to cities. There has been a sort of depopulation of certain areas, so they could never continue to support the same number of pubs. But a pub, so in a, a pub but a traditional a equation to say that pubs are going out of business or that there's no call for the pubs. It's there. There is, but they're going to be different. They, they are very different because, by and large, particularly the bigger ones or the urban ones, they're for food now first. It's it's almost as if. Yeah. Are, are you, if you're coming in, you have to eat. Yeah, you know? it, it's food. Well, yeah, but you see, you, if you want to justify turning on the lights and the heat and having staff there all day, you have to be able to sell more than a pint. So food is the obvious one. People have to eat every day. They don't actually have to drink in the pub. They can actually come in and have their lunch or have their dinner. Um, but then there's all sorts of other offerings too. So, and it's people will will find those offerings. I mean, lots of people experiment with different things, publicans, and, and they find that something really works. I mean, a trial session might work in one area, but it'll actually be heavy metal in another area. I know, but I, know, but I mean, it's, is it inevitable that that's the way maybe urban pubs are going, that they're not traditional pubs or bars anymore? They're places that serve food with, with alcohol as almost yeah. secondary. I look, yeah, again, it's not, a, it's not a black and white, it's not a simple equation. Some pubs that never changed will survive for that very reason because they're the exemplars, they're the really good ones of the traditional type pub and nobody wants them to change. That's why you go there. But in other ones like everything, our tourism our weekends, our everything now is event driven. So basically the pub has to think the same way you have to give people a reason to go there. I'll get some more texts on the air after I finish my conversation with you. You might be interested in this. Here is the reality for a night out in Corkneal, assuming you survive walking the streets. It will cost you somewhere around €100 Euro and much more for taxis and food. Then they compare Spain again. So let's leave the Spanish comparison. But on a night out where you may have a babysitter, you might have to get a taxi to and from, you might go for a bit of food. You are talking about 100 to 150 euro on a night out. It must be a real problem in rural Ireland where they don't even have a bus service. Yeah, it is. And and we have been 
uh, with government and with the National Transport Authority several times lately on this very issue that there are certain people who are coming out earlier maybe and going home earlier because they they might get a taxi earlier or a family member will come and collect them earlier but for people to be to risk being out till the very end of the night and end up standing on the street because there is no taxi and no bus service and no nothing and if you're in rural we have many members who actually drive their customers home at the end of the night which is neither sustainable nor probably it's not probably not safe in the long run either. Okay. But they don't have a choice. If you want to be open, you have to be relevant to your customer. You have to do something that will cause them to come in, and that that is an absolute service to say, okay, I drive you home at the end of the night. It's not just about the price of the drink. There's so much else going on. I get no. that. Just very finally, then, what is this talk about making the Irish pub? Is this the traditional Irish pub that say doesn't serve food unless it's a packet of crisps or a pink snack to be given UNESCO? cultural heritage status Yeah we at at our AGM uh, last year uh, one of our members proposed that we investigate this and we have and I mean there are lots of different um, products and even experiences that have been designated to be unique type experiences and then like the, the pub is not a uniquely Irish experience but the Irish pub certainly is like you can go to pubs in England or New York or anywhere you like in, or Paris and you'll get a very different experience the Irish pub is a kind of unique thing it is culturally important it is it is on the wane and and but it is hugely important to our tourist offering. If you uh, um, survey tourists arriving into Ireland, ask them what are they most looking forward to, they'll tell you a pint in an Irish pub. And when they're leaving, is that top of the list of is that top of the list of likes? Top is of it? the list and top of the list on the way out when they're surveyed leaving, they say what did you enjoy most? Meeting Irish people in Irish pubs. Do you know if top they ever the complain about the price of the pub though? I don't think so. I mean, even when I was in business, like we were selling American whiskies, bourbons, for prices that Americans couldn't get. There were prices made that were maybe inaccessible to Irish people, but Americans still thought they were they were dirt mm. cheap compared to what they'd be paying for them mm. at home. Yeah. It's a, it's all relative to where you're coming from. All right. Okay. Okay. Some people will find things dear. Other people will say they never got such value. All right. Listen. Bring it on. Uh, bring on the spring. Bring on the summer. Bring on the tourists. Pat, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate yeah. it. Covered a lot of ground. Pat Crotty, new CEO of the VFI, and uh, good luck to him. He's got a tough job. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six and your thoughts and views on the Irish pub trade. More on this after the break. Call Neil now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show on. Red FM. Text 0868104106. Get involved in the conversation. The, the, I mean, what's being said is don't be comparing a box of Heineken or a box of beer that you get in the off license and take home that's much cheaper than a pint in a pub because the pub experience involves music, light, heat, Sky Sports, all of the different facilities that all have to be paid for, and that's in your price of a pint. You know, you're talking about bars, and you know, and I would know Douglas quite well because I live in the area, and Barry's, the original Barry's, would go but way back to maybe 200, 250 years ago. Peter Collins has been the governor in Barry's now for nigh on 30 years. He joins me uh, by phone. Let me get my phone lines right. Peter, good morning. Um, good morning. So, so just pe- I, I'll come back to other issues because I, I, there are other things I want to touch on with you, but would you accept that the younger generation now are different to say our generation or the generations before they're not as interested in going to the pub they're not as interested in sculling six or seven pints waking up with a hangover they've got other things on their mind 
Uh, I couldn't agree with you fully on on that, Neil. Um, you know, definitely as time moves on, people have different interests. I, I remember maybe to give you a bit of an idea, this remember about twenty years ago going to a seminar that uh, old Guinnesses, Diageo or Guinnesses as they were called back then, Guinness Group Sales, up in the brewery in Dublin, and they were talking about um, you know competition to your pub, and one of the things they saw was uh, uh, multi-screen cinemas. You know, they were a new thing and you know they were going to take people out of the pub and then they were talking about Xboxes or Playstations and bits and pieces like that there's always something that is going to be in competition to you if you're in the hospitality and uh, I suppose currently there's there's a um, uh, quite rightly so people are very much into fitness and health and outdoors and, and it's very very good but you know, in Barry's here, we 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 see things changing, but I couldn't say that the businesses business owners are are uh, is dying because of that. Well, I, I can only compare myself to a now to when I was twenty seven or twenty eight and see others of that age group. They're in the gym, they're cooking at home, they're climbing mountains, they're going on weekend breaks. They are more family orientated. They're more house proud. I see huge differences, Peter. I really do. Yeah, it, it, the trade has changed. There's no doubt it's changed, but if you come in here on a day of an Irish international rugby match, you know, it's going to be the same, if not better atmosphere as it was 20 years ago. No, I know that, but, but that, would be the, that would be for a, an event. But and, and I don't mean to be picking hairs, but you could be guaranteed yeah. back in the days in the 80s, five o'clock on a Friday, we were in Cunahan's and we didn't fall out of it till midnight. That's just not the norm now, is it? No, things have changed. I think, uh, you know, the past, uh, in the last piece there, uh, alludes that the COVID has, has changed our lives and how, how how we operate and how we live our life. And in 10 years' time, there'll be another change. And, and that's the way things things are. Um, times change Foods, and you just have so, to adapt yeah. to it, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I would agree with you, though, that, that like, you know, maybe during the week, certainly you, you could see that, uh, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, there's, there's a huge difference in what they would have been, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. But equally then, your weekends are a bit busier. So, you know, it, it, it's it's just change and you have to you have to navigate your way around it. And how do publicans navigate the ongoing criticism of price, though? Oh, um, look, you know, not to rehash Pat, I think he covered it very well there. You know, you're not just, you know, I think the off-licence uh, versus the pub uh, piece was was quite correct. You, you're not just uh, buying drink, you're buying an experience. You're the uh, sky sports, the heat, the light, the power, the insurance, all the bits and pieces that, that make you go into a business uh, or, or a premises rather than having it at home. And 70% um, off the top goes to the government. So that's where you're, you're playing around with the other 30% kind of thing. Yeah, and, and you, again, you, you know the the piece about Spain. Everybody comes home and they go, "I got a bottle for one euro," and you're you know six euros. You hear that all the time. Um, the excise duty were one of the highest in Europe, and it'll continue. Uh, prices will continue to be like that as long as the excise is. Okay, let me just ask you because I did see a copy of a letter that you sent to the NTA where you say Barry's the Douglas employs seventy five people. I pay significant rates of over sixty grand annually, etc., etc. He said I worked tirelessly th- for thirty years. I have paused planning, and this is public knowledge because it's been in the papers, that you were planning on doing a capital cost renovation of three million, which you have now put on hold. Why? Well, I put it on pause because um, of the proposed Bus Connects corridor running through Douglas Village. Um, it, it gives me huge concern uh, about the future of Douglas Village if that corridor excuse me, if that corridor in in its current guise is implemented, um, it'll turn Douglas into a fantastic bus station 
but there'd be no businesses left around them. You say the route will close businesses, lose jobs, deteriorate the fabric of the well-established and thriving village, turn the East Village into a bus station. Um, really? Is this, East, Village, yeah. Yeah, East Village Street. So the, the plan is that it's, I suppose, I, 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 maybe it'd be better to say to you that the idea of Bus Connects has to be welcomed in enhanced bus services, easier ticketing, an app that works, apparently, I've been told, um, uh, green powered buses, battery buses, lower emissions. The whole idea is, you know, you'd have to welcome it. And I do welcome it. It's the corridor and the imp- implementation of the corridor in Douglas Village is the issue. This was announced two years ago. We, when I when I say we, myself and other business owners, and now some residents who are who are involved in in, in this campaign uh, currently, uh, you know, went along, saw the routes, said, look, you know, if you if you close off the finger post roundabout, which is what one of their intentions to exiting traffic, they want to put a bus gate there that will not allow traffic in or out of Douglas Village. Uh, they're going to jam up the whole... So how are you supposed you, to get through Douglas or out the Douglas road? Yeah, that, that's the whole point. It's to eliminate vehicle traffic within the Douglas area and prioritise... So how, do you, how do you get around it to go to where you need to go? You don't. <laughs> Douglas Village uh, becomes a bus station. That's the whole point of it. Um, like, their approach is engineering... Uh, led and what we want and what we're asking for is a community and business needs approach we we have asked them we've made um, suggestions to them like a a one way that that would work with, with, with with you know the enhanced bus services, we've had, we've suggested them would they come up and model a one way system uh, within uh, Douglas Village area that would work hand hand in hand with the bus services and maybe some cycle lanes and enhanced footpaths and all the nice stuff that comes with it. They won't do it. We asked them to build a bus station over in the Douglas Relief Road where there's a pile of space. They won't do it. Everything is no. So since January, uh, my. Uh, business colleagues around here and some residents, we've decided to uh, campaign against the implementation of the corridor and we're calling on the NTA to come down and meet with us and and to make some meaningful changes so that we can actually uh, you know, work hand in hand with with this, you know, with with, with this system that we, you know, will be very good. But you know, you know, know the Douglas is chaotic. Uh, You know, I I live there, I see the traffic, it's absolutely insane. Um, No, not not all the time, Neil, to be fair. I mean, there's pinch there's pinch points, uh, and that look. I suppose that's a hangover from when it was. You know, we we were in the county, we were in the city. Uh, Douglas is a massive thoroughfare, and actually, interestingly enough, I, I would I would ask your list, listeners who you know bring their kids to school. There's you know thousands of pupils in in around the Douglas area. They're going to be severely discriminated if the, if this route comes in. And for for your listeners, as in they won't be able to get them to school because they won't be able to drive the roads to the school. Uh, our necessary journeys. I mean, we, we have a big medical um, uh, uh, practices, uh, both both you know medical and um, dental practices here within the village. I mean, I don't know how the people and the the vet as well. How how people will bring you know if you're a patient and you're having difficulty with mobility. I, I don't know how you're going to access uh, healthcare. So as I said, you it's like an engineer who came down. No disrespect to engineers, but they're not. Their their focus is so narrow. Their focus is to 
get these buses through it, which and the data shows show only shows a marginal increase. Okay, in, let's look at that price. data as a typical example, and this would be, of course, from the Douglas suburbs. If you got on a bus in Maryborough Hill and you went into the city centre on the route that they're proposing, the new sustainable corridor, you would gain three minutes. You would lose three minutes off your journey. So all of this for three minutes extra. <laughs> That's what's being published. I, I, you know, it's 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 you, it's, you, know, you, you shake your head when you see this. But having said that, um, as I said earlier on, you know, there there are supposed to be more buses. There's supposed to be a tap and go system. One ticket will bring across the city. This kind of carry on. You know, there's a lot of good that that's been purported to, to it here. It's the corridors, and the corridors are not the corridor issue is not only for Douglas. There's other areas in the city that have, um, you know, it, it's going to cause a, a, a lot of issues for, I, I'm obviously only have looked at in depth in Douglas, but the, the way the corridors, and it's the, it's the way the NTA are treating local businesses and residents, probably even more importantly, um, they, they don't seem to care uh, about upsetting uh, people's lives. Who li- lives are Well, they've kind of taken a lot of gardens off people, don't they, to widen the Douglas Road, for instance, and knock down perfectly um, good trees. Yeah, I mean, they, were, they had legitimate concerns up there. I mean, I, I know of one uh, resident up there that their kitchen was being taken. Yeah, now, oh, yeah. it was, I think that there was, they eventually got on to um, high-ranking uh, politicians and, and got that sorted. Um, interestingly enough, I, I've met the politicians locally here. And I have to say the support has been, has been very positive from, from both local councillors and uh, from, from TDs. Uh, but it's the silence from the NTA is is you know it's 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 infuriating to say the least. And but you don't know you, you don't know, know for sure as to whether or not it will be negative. I mean, they bypassed McCroom and McCroom is now thriving because there's less traffic. How do you know that um, wouldn't be the but, case but, for? Well, uh, well, I mean, a by, a tra- I mean, you know, you said you said the word bypass. If we could bypass the traffic that goes through Douglas that doesn't stop and shop or ease or whatever here, I mean, that's a different story. We're not talking about bypasses. We're talking about send, we're talking about eliminating cars in the centre of of Douglas Village um, and making them go around. If you're living. Uh, in up Maryborough Hill, and you want to go to uh, Douglas Community School, you're going to be severely discommoded. If you want to go to St Anthony's Boys School, you're going. To, it, it's going to make uh, and the opposite opposite occurs. You're going to have to find ways around it. Okay, states are going to be jammed up. It's 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 going to be chaos. And I I, I I'm I'm blue in the face from asking the NTA to come down and have a look, and they just will not do it. Okay, so just finally, if they won't and they haven't, what do you and the businesses and the community intend to do about? if they ignore your concerns? Well, well we, we've, we've looked at, at uh, so what, what happens is that it goes to a statutory process uh, during the summer, I think they'll, they'll cause a date, whereby they will go straight into Dunbar Planala and seek planning approval to do it. And unfortunately, we'll be left with no other alternative but, but to object. And uh, it's not something that, um, you know, uh, uh, anybody has a, an, uh, really wants to do. Uh, but if we're pushed into it, we most certainly will uh, do that. Um, but I'm again, I would plead for the NTA to come down and to work something out with us. Okay, let's see what happens next. Peter, thanks for taking the call. Covered a lot of ground. Peter Collins from uh, Barry's in Douglas. Text 0868104106. The price of hotels, pubs and restaurants is pushing people to holiday and take more trips outside the country. The government destroyed every business in Ireland by taxing businesses to death. 
On the other hand, they throw money around like confetti to Ukrainians and refugees and harebrained ideas that we don't want nor need, like this recycling gimmick they're bringing out. And the second we wake up every day in Ireland, we are taxed. Tax on the power in our homes, tax on the clothes we put on, tax on the car we buy. That VRT is a total scam, isn't it? Uh, tax on the car we drive, tax on the fuel and tyres in the car, tax on our lunch, our dinner, our food, the drink we buy, tax on the money that we make from a day's work to go home and put on a television that we pay a television licence for. Oh, it's very depressing. Never mind the property tax, the tax on the mortgage loan, the tax on any loan. It's only to name but a few. Uh, we pay taxes while we live to survive and pay more taxes. There is no faith anymore in any government in this country. Uh, hang on a second. It's two. It's a five or a pint in two local bars near me. They're Cork City suburbs and they clearly can still make a profit at a five or a pint. Otherwise, they'd be out of business. So vote with your feet, people. Stop moaning about being ripped off after you volunteer volunteered to be ripped off and there's another one or two like that then uh, with regards to cheaper pubs which I'll come back to after the break The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM Conversation that matters It'll be part of the conversation and I'll pick up on everything else in the morning. For the little time that I've left though, can I just flip back to the survey I was telling you earlier on this morning? Uh, of course, we live in a world now full of germs and bed bugs and mites and creepy crawlies that you can't see them. They're in their, they're in your shower curtain and they're in your towel and, you know, they're in your toothbrush and all sorts of stuff like that. So germ warfare is a story that makes the papers this morning, particularly with regards to the amount of people who, um, they claim more men are, are are guilty of not changing uh, or washing their towels often enough. Something like 10% of them that were surveyed said that they only wash or change their towel once, perhaps if they're lucky, twice a year, which is hard to believe, really. You just could not believe that. I mean, think about it. It's disgusting. We're heading into lunchtime. But Evelina, also known as Eve, is director of Clean Bee, and they do deep cleaning in people's homes, uh, residential and commercial. So if anybody's going to know about the state of what's going on in homes, uh, Eve will be. Eve, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, I, I can recap on everything again. They talk about bed sheets. They talk about um, the sponges in the kitchen. They talk about the chopping boards we use, our filthy toilet brushes, our filthy t- uh, toilet, uh, our filthy toothbrushes, um, the rugs that we walk on, uh, stuff like the I mentioned already. Uh, say, for instance, the not so much the bin bag, but the bin in the kitchen, and everything is just alive with germs, and it's going to kill us. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, for instance, if you looked at even one of them. Um, the shower curtains should be changed every three months. Well, I suppose, Neil, like, you know, from our perspective here in King B, that, you know, the cleaning culture in Ireland has, has is really big. Um, shower curtains, you can take down and put into a, a boiled wash. That will kill the germs in the shower curtain. And the other big thing, I suppose, is your shower mats and your shower, your, your bath mats and your shower mats. You know, what we would suggest is after your shower, it actually sticks to your wall. If you have tiles in your wall in your shower, it would actually stick there. The amount of germs that would accumulate under that bath mat or shower mat after a shower because the water is lying stagnant there all the time. Stick it to your wall and let the, the water seep out but, of it. So, but yeah, but that's, that's cleaning them as opposed to dumping them and replacing them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we go in, we do a lot now this time of year of spring cleaning. Um, you know, homes after the winter, you've got your central heating on, you've got open fires, you've got stoves. You know, it's it, you know yourself, you can feel it yourself. The air is, is muggy. Our winter hasn't been a very cold winter. It's kind of been a damp, grey winter. Um, at the moment, like, we're, we're out the door 
and um, with spring cleaning of deep cleaning of homes like bathrooms now especially carpets sofas yeah. mattresses like mattresses are very big they need to be deep cleaned once a year at least. Well, I'm, I'm told actually um, that after seven years, your mattress has half a sto- is a half a stone heavier than when you bought it first, and it's got eighty gallons of moisture passing through it from, I suppose, yeah, yeah. body body Absolutely. sweat, like half a stone. I, I, for example, I have a small dehumidifier in my bedroom, and you wouldn't believe the amount of water that would come out of your own bedroom after a couple of days. You That's would think, you know, if you're drying clothes or whatever else, but in your bedroom alone, like the moisture from you sleeping in a bed, on your mattress, you know, deep cleaning is but very But it's not important. doing, yeah, yeah, but you don't, you don't have to throw things out, though, you know, they, like, no, because not, people not never did, so, I mean, you know, like anything. I accept that you might change the sponge in the kitchen, but throwing out all of your towels every year, I mean, towels can last for years and years. Towels, towels can last for years, years and years. Do you know they have to wash at the right temperature as well? You know, I wouldn't really now be into leaving your towel, <laughs> changing your towel once or twice a year. Um, in my house, it's every three days. I, I don't, example. I don't actually believe that research unless they're really absolutely filthy people. Exactly. Who, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The the smell would tell you alone that it's oh, no longer. Oh, without a shadow of doubt, that damp. You know yourself. It's like a damp, wet dog smell. Yeah, and you know uh, that yeah. you get from a, a damp towel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So wh- what? And mold. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to ask you because yeah. you're in, you're in and out of people's homes. What's the biggest mistake that people make, or the thing that they don't do often enough? Ventilation would be a very big thing in your home. Um, we we'd come across a lot of mold, and we treat a lot of molds. But you know, people need to open the windows, let air circulate around their house. Um, you know, you, mold is, it's, it's a bacteria, there's mold spurs, you're breathing it in, you're breathing it out, you know, your kids or, you know, yourselves in the home. It is, it, it causes problems with your lungs. We need bacteria though, we really do, otherwise we have shot our immune system to bits. <laughs> you, 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 found, then, you found some gross stuff as well though from time to time, have you? We have, over the years now, Neil, like you wouldn't believe what we've actually gone into. We've had one, one time there we had maggots in an oven, uh, one of the cleaners found at the back of an oven. Um, and just actually recently there we there was a dead a small little dead mouse underneath a cushion on the sofa oh the poor little so, mouse did somebody <laughs> sit on the mouse oh. sat on the mouse yeah yeah but you know what Neil like you know you look at things like that we've got into homes that over the years that have been you know people with mental health issues they just they couldn't deal with cleaning their houses you know we've helped them get back on their feet you know have a comfortable house again We've went into homes where people are actually clean fanatics. Um, the houses are spotless, but they still think they need a deep clean. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so you, you've, we, we deal with everything. And, you know, we, we started off with domestic and now we're in commercial nursing homes as well. We go in there. You know, it, it, the cleaning culture in Ireland has really taken off. Okay, good luck um, to you. Good luck and to you. we would thank you. And, you know, we want to thank everyone. We started off in Cork. A couple of years ago, and we're now nationwide. Family, and, you family know, business gone nationwide. Well family done. business, yeah. All yeah. right, thank you, Evelina, from uh, Director of, D- of Clean Beef. Last word this morning is to Kate. Kate, good morning. Hi, how are you doing? I didn't even um, I didn't even um, touch on the germs and the dirt of our t- of our mobile phone screens. Um, we'll talk about oh, that. I can imagine. I can imagine. Your mobile phone like screen, right, has more dirt yeah. and germs and stuff on it and bacteria than your toilet seat. I've heard that before. Yeah. 
wicked, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I like kind of wanted more touch on, you know, throwing things out and throwing things out and throwing things out. I understand the hygiene thing, and I think the lady there from Clean B, she made a very good point. You know, there could be people with mental health issues. There's all sorts of different reasons why, why you know, things can get very, very, you know, dirty and whatever. But I think, you know, there is kind of a culture of like, oh, that's gone too far, let's throw it out. That's gone too far, let's throw it out. I think it's madness. And you know these surveys, I'm half convinced, you know, big manufacturing corporations, I, I'm, I'm convinced that they put out these surveys trying to convince people that now you have to get rid of these now, yeah. like your towels. Yeah. Things that could last for yeah. years and yeah. years and years. But, you know, they, they also did come with ethos long ago, you know, like in my mother's and my grandmother's time. And now I know things aren't made to last like they were back then. They made them last back then, though. They did, exactly. They did make them last back then. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, I've just moved house there now. And actually, more of an important point than that is the ladies there that were speaking to you earlier on this morning, you know, in, from Middleton and Glanmire who'd been flooded, mm. right? I, I can guarantee you, if people don't set their mindset, we're going to hear more and more and more of them stories. Mm. Mm. And it's all relative to that very point. Like, for instance, a toilet brush. They can't recycle these things, these everyday household things. They there's so many things that they can't recycle. I mean, it would mean taking off those bristles from the Oh forget from the, about it. Throw it in the bin if you're doing anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's never going to happen. So But I understand you know, I understand the chopping board though, do you? Because it could lead to potential contamination. Yeah, yeah, particularly plastic ones and even, you know, porous ones, but you you know, you can get like you can get wooden ones which you can like wipe down with baking soda and lemon or whatever like you can restore things and keep things yeah. you know and like water is a huge cause of bacteria yeah. and germs yeah. and how mold. often do you how often do you change your toothbrush they're saying at least oh, every geez. six months yeah I have um, an electric filler right and you change the head so I suppose they're like over January I bought a new set you get four heads on the set so I bought that on sale just because I spotted it. But I'd say that will last me 10 months Yeah, to but the, ba- the bacteria yeah. is at the end of it, not at the head. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, you, well, I think common sense would tell you that. You can see that. Like you, I would rinse my toothbrush after every brush. Yeah, Do you wash know what I'm saying? Wash No, but wash it. Yeah, it's kind of common. I think an awful lot of common sense. A bit sense, of common sense, all right. Like, well, you need to learn how to make things last much longer than what we are because... I've seen it with people like, oh, no, I'm over that now. That had mold in it there last week, so gone, gone. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's, and it, you know, it's choking the planet. It's costing people a whole lot more. And um, these surveys, I think, do nothing only put people under pressure. Yeah. yeah. Um, buy more we, things. It doesn't yeah. mean to be, yeah, buy more. Keep buying keep, and keep the machine going. All right, That's thanks, what Kate. Appreciate yeah. the contribution. Okay, Take care. We'll have more on this in the morning and lots more besides text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.